Hello and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. This is the show that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. Today's guest is an extra special one for me. Um, he's a personal hero of mine. His name is Hal Russell. Um, I think most people are probably familiar with him, but if you're not, let me tell you, he is currently riding the Tour Divide as I speak. He's 70 years old. He didn't even pick up mountain biking until he was 57. I'll let that just sink in for a second. This man is doing what men or women half his age aren't or can't or are not capable of doing. I mean, he's done more and seen more than I have for sure. And probably a lot of people listening, no offense. If you read anything about him, if you Google him and read an article, the words living legend are always associated with Hal Russell. He's known for his tenacity on a bike, but he's also known for his generosity and his kindness and his loving heart and his huge smile that is always on. For those reasons, he is a personal hero of mine. He's a person that I look up to and aspire to be. Um, I, I love riding bikes and I love going out in the wilderness and I love participating in this community. It's a community that I've really grown fond of and I feel like I belong to and I want to belong to it as long as I can. And I truly believe that if we use these bodies that they will continue to give us the results that we put in. And he's just proof that that's true to me. You know, he's the guy that I point to and say, well, Hal's doing it. Now, Hal, you'll hear, is a modest and a humble man. And he will probably take offense to those words. But they ring true for so many people, myself included. I'm so grateful that somebody like him is out there. I'm grateful to have that inspiration in my life. I'm grateful that I can look up to him and aspire to be like him. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else I can say. I just truly am profoundly happy, um, that, that Hal is a part of this world and that he's out there doing what he's doing and he's inspiring so many people. You know, my goal going into this show was to shut up as much as I could and let him talk. He has a lifetime full of experiences and memories that he can share. And so I, I, I did my best to just kind of stay out of the way. And I, I hope that I did that. Um, I was going to sit there for as long as he wanted to talk, you know, I mean, I was going to gobble up every uh, single nugget that I could. And I, I feel like that was the right thing to do. Um, I wanted to pay him the respect that his experiences and his life deserves, um, and I just sat there in awe. He's a very powerful man. Uh, he feels greatly and deeply, and he's able to express that. And for him, it's very much tied to riding a bike. So we started off um, talking about his experience in the Vietnam War, and it's a little morose, but it's a big part of his personal story and uh, a big part of why he rides. So I thought that was definitely important to talk about. 
um, his lovely wife, Linda, um, was sending, sitting with us at the table. And so every once in a while you're, you'll hear Hal talking to her on the side. Um, so anyway, if you hear him talking to somebody, that's who it is. Um, and, uh, oh man, I'm so, uh, I'm still learning guys. Um, halfway, about halfway through the interview, my batteries died and I had to, I had backup batteries. I was prepared for that, but, um, I should have changed them before we sat down to record. So anyway, uh, you're going to hear me pop in, in the middle of the show and be like, oops, my bad. And then we'll just kind of pick up with the conversation. And like, Hal is such a conversationalist. Like you, you, he just sits down and you start talking and he can just go and go and go. And so I, just turned on the mic and let them talk. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, it's going to be kind of a little bit raw. Um, partly that's my fault with my, uh, my battery mistake there. So, but I think, I think it's a great episode and I think he really, um, he dug deep, he dug deep in the interview and he put it all out there. So thank you, Hal. And, uh, Listen, man, good luck out there on the uh, Tour Divide. I hope you get a chance to listen to this while you're out there. Um, I've been following your dot the entire time. Really tough conditions this year, um, but you are, you're killing it, man. You are doing it. And every time I go on a bike ride right now, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you out there and knowing that if you can do it, that I can too. One of my favorite quotes from this interview was uh, when Hal said, quitting's too easy. That's the easiest thing to do in life is to quit. I mean, that is just powerful. Um, and I, I definitely want to be more like Hal. And if I want to be more like Hal, then I can't quit because Hal doesn't quit. So go get him, Hal. Uh, love you, bud. And uh, give him hell, dude. We'll, uh, we'll be rooting for you the entire time. All right, well, let's shift gears uh, just a little bit, and uh, let me talk to you about Bikes or Death business. Um, this is where you have the opportunity as uh, listeners to support the show. If you notice, there are no advertisers. I don't get on here and try to sell you baby wipes or Clorox bleach or a hiring. I don't even know any of that stupid shit. I don't do that. But I do ask that if you love this show and if you love the bikepacking community, you love the outdoors, um, I've set up three ways in which you can support the show. You can go to Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a way that you can financially support the show. Uh, for patrons, there are perks. You get stickers and patches. And I'm working on some other really cool stuff. Uh, I have lots of ideas for my patrons. And I'm going to be hopefully rolling out some of them like in a week or two. Like they're very forthcoming. Um, so stay tuned for that. The other thing you can do is you can go to my website. It's www.bikesordeath.com, and you can find on the right-hand side, there's an Amazon affiliate link. So all you have to do is click on that and book bookmark it. Every time you buy something on Amazon, I'll get a cut. It doesn't cost you anything. The prices are the same. All it does is take money away from Jeff, Jeff Bezos, and it gives it to me. Jeff Bezos to Bikes or Death. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you to everybody who uses that hyperlink. And the last thing you can do is you can go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. 
Um, I've continually been blown away by all the reviews that we keep getting and all the messages that I get um, and all the patrons, man, y'all been blowing up patron and it, uh, it, it, it matters. It literally matters. So, um, I appreciate it. Uh, keep it up, uh, keep showing your love and keep spreading the word about the show and I'll keep pumping out great content. Thanks guys. All right. One more thing. Um, I've decided that I want to do a contest. I want to, I want to grow the bikes or death brand, but I am not creative in that way at all. Um, and so I've been like behind the scenes, I've been like hiring some, uh, graphic artists and stuff and they're not really getting my vision and I don't even have a vision. So that's part of the problem. <laughs> so, all right. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to post all the rules on Instagram and Facebook. If you're not on those platforms, just, uh, email me a design. I'm not looking to replace the logo. I like the logo. I'm just looking to expand the brand, you know, think hats or shirts or water bottles or um, anything. Right. So I'm going to kick that to the artist. Um, and hopefully we get some good stuff. And then once, uh, once I have a logo, I might just go crazy. I might put that shit on everything. Oh man, I might go crazy. Yeah, that'll be fun. So anyway, stay tuned. I'm going to be posting that here in the next few days. Uh, but like I said, if you're not in, on either of those platforms, just email me uh, some images and you'll be put in the running. It's uh, my emails bikes at bikes or death.com. Now let's, uh, what do you say we get to the show? <laughs> I had three reasons why I started doing those these races, and uh, first was to, to meet people to see that humanity uh, does exist, and then uh, the second one was to, to discover the country. You know, you dream as a little kid, you dream of all that beautiful country, you dream of being a mountain man, and all those sorts of things, and then you you really get to see it. And then the third was I'm a Vietnam veteran, and I discovered that's the best way for me to uh, kind of take care of my past and the ghosts and, you know, keep myself halfway sane and so on. No, that's why I uh, do the adventure races, because of uh, Vietnam. You know, that's, yeah. uh, you know, some people will be out there, oh, we're racing, or they want to race with, they want to ride with me and stuff. And, and um, you know, I hate to be rude, but... Uh, not that I have agenda, but I'm not out there to beat you, but I am competitive. If uh-huh. you lag back or you go to sleep, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pass you, you know. Yeah. And But uh, my, my main reason is, you know, those three reasons. I want to see the country. I want to I want to meet people. Uh, like one time Billy Rice, uh, somebody at his indie asked him, you ever stop and talk to people? And he said, no, but how does? Do. <laughs> I'll visit with you. Yeah. You know, I won't, might not tarry, but if you want to shake hands and visit, I'm, I'm all up. That's why I'm there in a way. Well, I asked Lael about her, um, her new film, I'm Not Stopping, and yeah. I asked her why she titled it that. It turns out she was the one who titled it, but 
the reason why it was titled that is because there's these guys that found her on spot tracker and they tried to go and interview or just take a picture yeah. with her and stop yeah. and say hi she's like i'm not stopping yeah this yeah. is a race <laughs> and uh and i agree with her i don't do that either if, if you know i'm not going to give you an interview but, yeah but but I, I, I'll be polite, more polite to you than probably she would. You know, <laughs> I, I'll give you. Oh, a, she, she's give, very polite in her. Yeah. I mean. Oh, she is. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I meant, you know. I know what you meant. Yeah. 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 No, she. I just well, didn't want to give the wrong impression no. that she's like, I'm not talking no, to no, you. No, no, <laughs> no. Well, not that way. No. No, not at all. And then I remember also her uh, Trans Am in 2016. I don't know if you remember when she won, but uh, she caught up to the guy who had been in first place like pretty much the whole race and whenever he, she caught him he's like hey you want to ride in together and she's like no this no. is a race it's like mike hall said uh, somebody told him that too he said no quarter you know no no quarter and i, I i'm that away too and i made a mistake one time riding with a girl it had been in 2015 i think and that cost me one or two days and i thought why did i i do i did i know why i did it to, to be nice and i was she she was, you know, I thought, you know, she was having a hard time. But but I, last year, a guy, he started riding with me. And, and and I have people, I have friends that might just meet me along the way that live where they, you know, I'm going right by where they live or where they're at. And they'll jump in and ride with me for two or three hours. Or In, in this one case, uh, Greg Goodman, a friend of mine, he's actually from Kansas City, but he lives in Silverthorne. He has a home out there. And the last two times I did the divide, he one time he just jumped in, rode with me, maybe three hours up to Breckenridge or somewhere, and and then he cut on out, and and you know he might be thirty yards ahead of me or even out of sight at time. We just right. ride back and forth. But yeah, we'll visit off and on, and yeah, you're out there we're together, good, good friends. But last year he said I get two days off. He said, I care if I just ride along with you for a couple of days. Uh, yeah have at it you know and um he said i'll just stop where you stop at night and so we started silverthorne and there was another rider and and he joined up with us and uh i i, I realized he's wanting to ride with me this other guy and nothing against him i just i want to ride by myself yeah and riding with greg it wasn't like i was riding with somebody he was just tagging along and, right and being nice and when I'd stop, he'd stop. I wouldn't wait. No, I didn't wait any time on him. And one time I did stop. We'd going up Boris Pass, and I stopped a minute. I told Greg I got to stop and rest just this minute. And the other guy had had a minor breakdown, light or something, and and then he called up and he said, "Thanks for waiting." I thought <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't wait on you. No, I I was going on. You just caught up with me. And then uh, they we got to the top of Boris Pass it was late at night, and he expected we'd camp there and there's another uh, girl i can't think of her name now a woman and she's really nice and anyway uh jackie has her name and so uh she said uh you know you guys going on i said well i am i'm i'm I, i'm going on to uh oh Co uh, what is the name of that place antelope wells no okay. uh <laughs> we were uh, up at boris pass como Okay. And it, it's uh, on the way to Hartzell. But I know the guy there. He has a bed and breakfast there. And mm -hmm. he lets me sleep in his yard. And there's nothing there at, uh, at Como but an old 
Oh, he's made a, he's a kind of a rich fanatic guy. And he's got a real locomotive and a whole train station recreate in the past. <laughs> so I camped there and I did that uh, before, I one time before. And his name's Dennis, I think, or David, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, but you have to go down in the gold dust and drop off when you get to the top of Boris Pass. You have a single track and it's pretty rough. And you're not going down there at night. I said, oh, I am. And I was hoping that I'd lose them. They'd all stay back. <laughs> oh, they jumped in and went with me. But we got it at Como about midnight. And I'm trying to uh, get up early and slip out, but that didn't happen. Uh, oh, uh, my friend Greg said, when you leaving? And I told him. And so he, he, he was awake and got ready to go with me. He was going to go on down to Hartshall, and then he would stop there and then go back home from there which he did. Well, the other guy went with us too. And then he tried to ride with me after that. And I said, I don't mean to be rude, but I need to ride by myself. And uh-huh. I told him, I just, you know, I, I have an agenda and I just like to be, you know, I ride with my go- my Vietnam ghosts, my memories and stuff like that. And yeah. I need to be by myself. So. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good segue on how I wanted to kind of open up the show a little bit. Um, But before we get to that, I'll uh, introduce you real quick. I'm actually sitting down with Hal Russell and we're on the back porch of his house (laughs) and we are in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I had to get off a road and then drive down that one for about 40 miles and get on another one and uh, you live in the middle of nowhere. Is that safe to say? I live out in the woods in those arcs. Yeah. Whenever I, because you know, people who do these types of adventure racing and travel by bike across America, you always see these idyllic little <laughs> houses, yeah. you know, in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, man, I always have two questions. One, how did you get there? Right. And two, what what is life like, uh, you know, yeah. living, living this maybe simply? I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> how, how'd you get here? And what's it like to live here? Well, we got here, uh, like I had told you earlier, uh, just... You know, I, I taught school, and and as a boy, I think my dream was always have a log house in the woods someday, and this is as close as I could ever come to it. And and uh, you know, we uh, we farmed for 20 years, and then farming camp went kind of was a hard hard way to make a living. And long story short, I was able to go back to college when I was 38 years old. And I went to college, got a teaching degree, and then we decided to sell our farm, and this is where we ended up at. We found this little did, house in the woods. <laughs> did you grow up in a, a fairly small town? or? Yeah, Lowry City, which is uh, about 15 miles north of here. And uh, I, I didn't grow up in town. I was, I was born and raised on a farm. Okay. So about a mile or two out of, out of town. So that lifestyle has always been it's somewhat always, comfortable Yeah, I grew you. up in the... Uh, we're not in the woods up there. The, the area is called where the plain meets the woods. That little town, there's a sign there that says where the plain meets the Ozarks, actually. And so it's more farmland up there. And, and so I, you know, long story short, I, I stayed on. I graduated from Lowry City High School, nine kids in my class. And Whoa. It's a little place. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, uh, uh, you know, I went off. Uh, after I graduated, I stayed on the farm for maybe two months milking cows. Dad said, you can milk these cows as long as you want to, and then I'm going to sell them because we always milk cows, mm-hmm. but but it was getting hard to do. And So I milked the cow for a couple of months, and you had to 
that's seven days a week, morning and night. And I thought, I can't do this very long. So I, I went to Kansas City and got a job at Hallmark Cards. And started, really? Started living the dream, <laughs> so to speak. I bought a, bought a new car, you know, a Camaro. And, uh, and, what you know, year? 67. Oh, okay. Brand new, the first year they come out. Nice. Yeah. So. Do you still have it? No, Maybe no. You wish you did. Yeah, I wish I did. <laughs> but then uh, I, I worked there a year and I, I was drafted in the Army. That was Vietnam time. And then, uh, so I gave my car to my dad and, and uh, went off to the, the Army. And then eventually I went to Vietnam. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me out to your home. It, it, this, uh, being from Texas, um, I grew up in a little bit more of a uh, city setting, but um, certainly this rural type property, yeah. a little cabin in the woods yeah. is something that really appeals to me. And I often wonder if, if I could like retire in a place like this and be happier, if I would just go crazy because yeah. I get stir crazy and like, oh man, I got to go do something. Do you ever feel like that? Or is that where the no, bike comes in? <laughs> that's where the bike comes in, but that's... Uh... That's my dream. I mean, it's just my wife and I now, we have two kids, but they're grown. They're off on their own. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's just us. And uh, you'll be the only person that will come down and see us for a month probably. Yeah. Uh, we have company once in a while, but nobody comes down here. This is your social interaction. Yeah, this oh, is, man. Now I, I'm feeling the pressure. <laughs> no, I coffee shop. I go to the coffee over uh -huh. in Warsaw, and I ride my bike every day. I mean, I could say every day pretty, yeah. pretty easily. And right now I'm training a little bit for the Tour Divide. So tomorrow I'll do 50 to 100 miles tomorrow, and, uh, and I'll do 50 or so the next day too. I'll get in 100-mile ride. How far away is that coffee shop? It's uh, 22 miles from here. Okay. So, Good Lord. But uh, I, the way I go now with the water up, uh, it's uh, exactly 40 miles to the coffee shop from here. Yeah. The way I ride in the hills. I have good training routes. Are you well known in these parts? I mean, driving around, no. there's there's not a lot of people. So are you known as, you know, there goes Hal riding his bike? and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm not, not well known, but everybody knows. But, uh, yeah, and then that gonna, way they're like, hey, there's that guy riding his gonna, bike again. They're going to say, hi, Hal. Okay. Uh, I was just tell my wife, I was, now I'm, people know who I am at Warsaw as well. Uh, I was, I ride the back. You talked about coming up through the Ozark and some of those hills. Mm -hmm. Well, I ride through areas like that with the uh, yards are full of lawnmowers and, uh, you know, 20 mile lawnmowers and refrigerators, no TVs <laughs> in the yard, and they're out there. And I'll get a lot of high house and, you yeah. know, as I go through. And I, I you know, you're the people's champion. No, I'm just 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 an, an old dude riding a bicycle. No, it's but, cool though. But I, 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 I'm sure. I mean, I know. I look yeah. at you and I'm like, man, he's Al's out there getting it again, and I'm sure other people are too. Yeah. They're sitting on their porch watching you go by, and there, there goes Hal well, again. There's a lot of nice people around, and the community up in Lowry City, where I'm from, they know me. And I taught school for 22 years in Osceola, and I grew up in this area, so everybody knows everybody. So, yeah, you know, I, I imagine they, they all know you. I wanted to go back just a little bit because you brought up Vietnam and um, I know that uh, that that is a, a major reason why you bike ride. Yeah. And um, since it was so we're recording this podcast on Friday and it was just Memorial Day. I was wondering if you would maybe be willing to share maybe just like what your personal life was like before and then and then maybe after the war. Yeah. Uh, Veteran Day is the day that I think back. It's mm -hmm. Veteran Day. Memorial Day, I uh, just kind of, the Memorial Day 
sometimes we forget and we celebrate that for the wrong reason. It's about those that gave it all right. Memorial Day, and people right. sometimes forget that. So I kind of have a hard time with Memorial Day around people. They're out having a good time, and, uh, you know, they're celebrating. And they'll even say, oh, happy Memorial Day, and it isn't about me. No, That day isn't about me. It's about those that aren't here, and yeah. that's what people forget. But Veteran Day, that's one day out of the year that I, I stop and I, uh, I, I remember. Yeah. So how was it for you whenever you came home? Uh, when I came home, uh, I was a draftee, so uh, I didn't realize it till I, I landed in uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. Actually, uh, I landed at, in Seattle that 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 night. I couldn't uh, plane couldn't land because it was fogged in, so I ended up taking a bus from Seattle Airport to uh, Fort Lewis to process out, and. Uh, there was a sign. I'd heard a rumor that if you had less than five months as a draftee, that they'd, they'd let you out early out. And I didn't really believe that till I, I seen a sign said you turn right and you can process out if you got less than five months to go, or you go straight and you could re up. And and I thought about going straight, but I went right and uh, and uh, I I got got out. And I was home three days, and I thought I screwed up. Uh, I don't belong here no more. I belong in Vietnam, and uh, that was my had become my home, and I didn't have no friends here no more, and so, and that happened. That you know that was with me for a long, long time, and I kind of, I kind of just got lost. I did go back and got my job back at Hallmarks, bought a new car, and started my old life back up. But that lasted about a year, and. Uh, Somebody talked me into just uh, giving away my car and saying the heck with it. And uh, we went off to Canada. <laughs> I don't know what we were going to do, but we did. And I ended up, I, I, I quit my job and I didn't have nothing. And I, I grew long hair. I dropped into the so-called hippie lifestyle. Yeah. Kind of lived lived with my sister some, kind of lived with friends and 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 whatnot. And, and, Lived with a girl a time or two, off and on, and then I met my wife. <laughs> and uh, got, I didn't have nothing when, she, when I met her. I was going to Penn Valley College, a community college, night some. And, and uh, anyway, I, I thought, you know, that, that, that's when I got turned around somewhat. And, and then we got married. She straightened you up, she or straightened she's still me. trying? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, probably still trying. <laughs> But, but yeah, that that's how long have y'all been together? Uh, Forty-six years. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's 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 everything for me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I well, I, to be honest with you, the reason I brought it up is because I was born in 1980, and for me, Vietnam is something that I read about in a textbook, and yeah. so, um, yeah, it's, it's it is. I I can't say that I. I understand or I relate because the truth is that I don't. For me, it's uh, minutes ago, seconds ago. I wasn't no war hero or nothing. I, I, I you know, I was. Uh, I spent five months up at one place in the in the jungle up at Anke in the highlands, and then I spent another seven months down in a central uh, Vietnam in the, what's called the lowlands in a kind of a field task force unit. But um, it just, um, I, 
you relive, uh, you know, you relive it all the time at night, especially in nightmares and stuff. I used to, so I don't, but I do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just just something you'll yeah. you'll live with. Yeah, and that's what I finally figured out. Uh, I finally got help from the veterans. You don't realize that anything's wrong with you if there's you can call it something being wrong with you. And uh, I finally, somebody said maybe you could go to the Veterans Administration and get some help. And so I, I did, and then they said, oh, you have what they call PTSD, and I didn't even know what that was. Hmm. But then I started seeing a counselor. And, and one one thing, um, I still see her. I just seen her a couple of days, Tuesday, I guess, and I see her about once a month. But uh, my plan was we're trying to formulate plans on how to, you know, how I could get a little more sane, you might say. And, and I, I said, one thing I like to do, I've learned this over the years, I used to run a lot. And I'd run 5Ks and 10Ks, and i camp a lot, and I started running marathons, and then I discovered mountain biking, and I mm-hmm. thought, that, that's where I'm best suited. <laughs> what what age was that whenever you first got back into running? Oh, uh, probably in my 50s, yeah, 40s or 50s. And, but I did a lot of camping. I, I, I hunted. Uh, um, I, I used to be a, like a, you might say, a big game guide with my cousin out in Colorado some. You said did, you were a guide? A little bit. I oh, worked nice. for my cousin that was elk, elk, elk and deer. Okay. Um, when I, I didn't, uh, my story uh, also when I quit my job back uh, at Hallmark's, the Canada thing didn't work out and I went and joined the Peace Corps and I spent a little while in India in the Peace Corps. And I didn't stick with that either, and that's when I come back and kind of lived as a hippie for a while. But uh, Woodstock? Oh no, you were after Woodstock. I actually was in after. Vietnam when you Woodstock were, yeah. happened. But uh, you when you mentioned 60- that, this uh, the reason I went to Canada. This guy, uh, John Rop was the name. He had gone to Woodstock. He said, "Let's go up to Canada." Uh, I had friends up there when I was up in Woodstock up in New York, and so that's what took me up there. I, I did what he said. Okay. And, uh, I messed up. Yeah. Well, but, I've, but, I've been down a road like that yeah, before, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of stories. Uh, but, like, when I went to Vietnam, you know, you, like when I went in the Army, I had a new car, good job, my girlfriend. When I come back, I, uh, I think I was about 10 months into Vietnam, and, I got the Dear John letter and how I'm going to get married and I met somebody else and all that sort yeah. of thing. And and then, so, no car, no job, no no nothing. So you come back, you're going to restart that over, and you think you just plug it back in. But it didn't happen until I met, met Linda. So. Well, yeah, Linda's a, Linda's a sweet lady, <laughs> but, too. Y'all yeah. are a good pair as far as I can tell. I, uh, well, I didn't want to bring up too much, but I, and I understand that, you know, Memorial Day is for people who yeah. who gave everything, but, um, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was important to at least acknowledge that and yeah, share it, a little bit of, uh, about your story in that yeah, regard. Yeah. So I, th- I do thank you for your service and, uh, forever, for whatever that is worth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always feel I, I didn't do nothing. I, I, I was just there. Well, the uh, way I look at it is you're doing a lot right now. Um, 
whenever I decided to start this podcast, I put down a list of probably the first 10 people I want to interview and you were the first one on there. Um, so for me personally, you're, uh, you're definitely an inspirational character. And I, I talk about you a lot, whether it's on the podcast (laughs) or to friends and I'm like, how's out there doing it? You know, I idolize other veterans and I did it. I gave a speech here, a veteran thing a couple years ago. And, and I read this on a, on a, a monument when I was out in Oregon after I finished the American Trail Race. And, and this guy asked me to give this speech, not our talk at Veteran Day at a school. And I don't know. I asked him what I, what I should talk about. And he said, well, um, maybe you could tell the kids because you're going to talk to the student body, uh, you know, how they could be anything they set their mind to. And that's what my dad always told me. And then uh, maybe you know, tell the other veterans that would be there how you deal with it. And, and so that that's what I kind of did. But I read this one little thing I kind of, and I, not so much for me. I, 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 I feel like I didn't do nothing in the service. But, but uh, this, uh, it, it said, uh, they, I had, you know, I told the veterans you, to ask them to stand and I said, I read this little little saying, and it said, uh, I, I, I don't ask you for, ask not for your sympathy, sympathy, only for your understanding. Because for once I stood for something, I, I stood for you. And I think that's what the veterans, the true veterans, that's, you know, that's why, you know, like you said, Memorial Day, they, they gave it their all. So, yeah. anyway. I get off on things. No, like I, I appreciate that. I think that's good to hear. And I think, I mean, that is an important part of your story and, uh, and how you're, that's what, that's, that's, I wanted to kind of take it into the biking because I know that that's a big part yeah. of why you, you ride, but it's, I think it's important that for you, that's a, that's a big part of it, you know? So yeah, maybe you could segue into talking about when you were introduced to the bike and, and how that's maybe helped you. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, that's a story too. <laughs> we were in Colorado and I, I, I'd, I'd run the Pike Peak Marathon. Uh, I'd run the ascent the first time, and then I, I run it another, the next year. I run the, uh, the the marathon again, and then I actually uh, I came down with hepatitis C, and so I had to go on chemo for a year or eleven months, and and uh, and uh, actually I wasn't sure if I'd gonna live. I did some experimental treatment, but I did, and. Wow. and uh, and I never quit running. I ran all that that year, and, and but then my goal was uh, I'm going to go back and run Pikes Peak again. And I is kinda, that the same one they do the uh, the car race on? Yeah, it is. Oh. Only you're going up the backside. It's a trail race. Okay. It's a, a marathon. sorry, I'm not a runner, so <laughs> it's a marathon distance up and back down, and you're not going very fast. All right, sorry about that. This is where I ran out of batteries, so the story continues. Um, you missed a chunk. Sorry about that. Oops, my bad. And I'd planned to do the Mar- the uh, Leadville 100, so it was back a few years ago, and uh, I did the Leadville 100 three times. That was the fourth time I was going to do it, and so. Uh, uh, Valentine's Day, I, I think that's one of yeah. And the race is in the second week in August, and se- exactly six months out. And I broke my leg, and and the doctor said, oh, maybe two years, you know. And 
but and I had a trainer online out in California at the time with Winslow Training, and I I, I had Linda. I said well, you got to call call Roger, <laughs> but they waited till the next day. But they'd take me to Amos and all that, and it broke the bone in two. And, Oh, up on your thigh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh it hurt bad. God. God. <laughs> so any, anyway, uh, I asked the doctor later, oh, why'd my break, how, you know, why did I break my leg like that? I just fell down. He said, exactly, you fell down. <laughs> he was a smart ass, so yeah. to speak. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was a nice guy. I told him what I wanted to do. I said, six months, I, I, I need to ride a 100-mile mountain bike race uh, up the, you know, up the mountain and all that stuff and up to 12,000 feet he's and he kind of laughed at me but he he said I know what you're talking about and uh he, he's after he operated on me he said I put a he put a rod in my leg and I cut he said I put a couple extra pins in there for you oh so <laughs> I made it I I didn't do you you need to do it under 12 hours to get what's called the silver bell oh, buckle yeah. and I, I didn't but I finished the race yeah that's a tough race. Yeah, uh, two. I did it four times, and before that, the first time I didn't finish, so I I got a trainer to help me online, and the next year, I I uh, finished in. You got to finish under twelve hours. I finished eleven minutes and twenty seven seconds. Oh. And so I made it. You know, eleven oh, hours. Eleven and, hours. I thought yeah. you were saying twelve hours and no, eleven. Eleven minutes. hours okay. and twenty seven seconds. So I made it. I wow. got the belt buckle. Well, then the next year. I uh, I uh, broke my neck, didn't I? Broke my neck. I fell off the house here. What? Yeah. And uh, no, no, I I a mountain bike down Bentonville. I I landed on my head, and and that's what it was. Oh yeah. No, we that that's another race. No, it was I fell off. My, <laughs> I, I fell off the house. Anyway, I broke my neck. So uh, I told the doctor what I had to do, and you know I I got to get ready to ride this race, and. That was Memorial Day, actually, when I did it. We were mm -hmm. down at Bentonville. And uh, and so, or something like that, I forget what. Uh, yeah. And so, anyway, I uh, I I had to stay on. I had to wear a, a neck brace full-time for 24 hours around the clock. And then I did it for five weeks. And he said, you know, then uh, if it's healing back, I'll let you ride. And... He was reluctant to do that, but he did. You he have said, the neck brace on, and I, I was able to take it off. And, okay, and he said, uh, "Don't fall off your bike." Right. So I, <laughs> anyway, I made it, and I, I raced that year, and I finished in a, eleven hours and twenty or eleven hours and fifty-eight minutes and twenty-five seconds. <laughs> Man, were you pumping at the end trying to? Yeah, make it yeah, you're, you're. My, I know my son. He he went that year, and he was up at the top. And, he was just talking to somebody. Yeah, my dad's out there, but he's he's not gonna make it. And when you come back, you're 40 miles out at Twin Lakes, and um, I told Dallas he was helping me that year. And I, actually, uh, I was being interviewed. They were doing a movie, a documentary on the on the Leadville that year, and they asked me to be in the movie. They they wanted people that had overcome things, so they were out there filming. They had a little. Uh, track and tag on you mm -hmm. and I was one of them that had bit bit parts in the movie and I think uh what movie was that it's called the Leadville 2010 or uh, yeah okay the only one I've seen is uh ride in the sky there's ride in the that, sky one and two that's one okay <laughs> that's what it's it, I think it's maybe it's two it's two it's number two 
I was in number one too, but I wasn't in the movie. Oh, I was okay. in the race. All right, but all right. I was I'll in have the to movie. Go back and rewatch it. Yeah. It's been many years. Twenty ten. Uh, yeah, no, you'll see in the. So you're in there with Lance Armstrong. Uh, I am neck and neck, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Giving a run for his money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, uh, the one I'm in, uh, I, and Lance Armstrong was a year before, and I was there. Well, you know, I was in the race. I started with Lance. Heck yeah. But uh, Levi Leipheimer, he he won the next year. That's and, right. And uh, so I'm in that movie with yeah. Levi. Well, we had a we had a little technical difficulty. I ran out of batteries, so I had to uh, pop them back in. So we kind of jumped forward a little bit. Uh, my apologies, but um, why don't you tell us? If I remember correctly, you went to go watch a friend trail run the Leadville 100. No, no, no. You went to go watch a mountain bike the Leadville 100. What it was was uh, I we my wife and I were going to meet up with my nephew and niece and my daughter out at Leadville, and we were going to climb a 14er. I think Mount Yell, if you're familiar with any of the 14 yeah. out there. And so uh, we would all meet at Leadville and and have dinner and get together and then pack in, climb Mount Yell, and the next week would be the uh, the marathon, the Pike Peak Marathon, and that kind of give us a warm-up, you might oh, say. Okay. So uh, that was the plan, but we were there, and it was 6 o'clock in the evening, and then this shotgun went off, and I seen some mountain bikers laying in the courtyard, mm-hmm. and so I asked somebody, why, why, why'd they shoot a shotgun? You know, this old guy in a cowboy hat shot this <laughs> shotgun off, and it was uh, Ken Colbert's. And they said, that, that, that's a 100-mile mountain bike race, Leadville 100. And I thought, wow. And I, I looked at Linda, She, as usual, you're not going to do that, are you? <laughs> and I, I didn't own a bike at the time. But I grew up riding bicycle, but I didn't rode them. You know, we had old bikes, but nothing like yeah. you know, what they had. But long story short, I come home, bought a, bike, a mountain bike, and a couple years later, I... I actually entered the Silver Rush 50 at Leadville. It's a 50-mile race, and it, it's pretty tough, actually. I tried to enter the Leadville, but it's by lottery, and I couldn't get in. Mm. Well, the the uh, second year I did it, I was the last ass over the pass. They give an award <laughs> for being the last one. And Mary, Mary Lynn, she's uh, one of them that her, her and Ken, they run the race at the time, and uh, she said, well, you ought to do the lead bill next year. I said, uh, 100. I said, I, I can't get in. She said, you, you sign up. Yeah, and we'll get you I in. I think, yeah, she got me in, yeah. I'm sure. Anyway, I got in. I did it for four years until they sold the race. That's that. If I remember correctly, you were 57 when you first picked up a mountain bike? Something like that. Around then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, was it love at first ride? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this is it. What is it about you where you see that and you're like, Oh, you look at your wife, and she already knows. She sees it in your yeah. eyes. You're like, I'm going to buy a bike. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Where does that come from? Well, I, I think you're born with adventure. My dad, he he was, he was an adventurer. He used to tell tell us big stories. We we grew up on the farm, and uh, we, we were probably poor, but we didn't know we were poor. I mean, I never we never had a modern plumbing. Didn't have a bathroom in the house my whole time at home. Anyway, my dad, he, he used to say three things. He'd tell us a story. He wanted to be a cowboy, and he, and he had three dreams, cowboy, a pilot, and a baseball player. And I, I'd hear his big stories. He, he, he never really succeeded at none of those, but he came close. He, really? He, uh, when he got out of high school, 
he he thumbed a ride and uh, he had to ride on a, he had an old car him and another kid and it broke down in Kansas and he sold his part of the car to the other kid and hits a train with some uh, bums that run then you could ride the rail so to speak and he mm-hmm. went to Sheridan Wyoming out of Story Wyoming and uh, he knew a kid out there that said you can get a job on a ranch out here and he did and he worked all summer but then it was about time for the war to uh, started breaking out World War II and so he, he came back and joined the Navy and but his idea was to be a pilot in the Navy he come close to that he was a navigator and he finally went to pilot school towards the end of the war and uh, I think he was three weeks into it and uh, the war was ending and they did away with pilot school but and then as a baseball player he was pretty good he was an infielder second baseman he's a little guy about my size only he was a lot better athlete than than i ever have been but um he was quite the baseball player and he had a chance one time to go try out for the new york yankees and then it was a farm club the kansas city blues up in kansas city Hmm. and he said he thumbed a ride he got as far as garden city never had no support from home his dad Never seen one game he ever played. Dad was good. And uh, he said, uh, I looked at my pocket watch, and I was not going to make it to the tryout. So I walked across the road and thumbed my way back home. And no way. And joined the Navy. Oh, wow. So, Heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, yeah. But dad, dad but was, he obviously had an adventurous personality. He had a, yeah, a big thinker yeah. maybe. Like. He played uh, second base in the Navy some too at some different naval bases he's mm-hmm. at. And he talked one time we're listening to New York Giants. I love baseball. That's my main love, you might say. And we're listening to the radio. And he said, that was my manager. And they named a guy on there. I said, what manager? He said, yeah, that's the manager of the uh, New York Giants. We listened to the ball game on the radio, milking cows. He said he was my manager up in Seattle when I was in the Navy there. Yeah. Because <laughs> all those guys went to the, in World War II, they they stopped baseball and they were yeah. in the service. Oh, wow. How much is, uh, how much of like riding bikes and going on these adventures is, is just kind of getting away and getting into nature? Because obviously you grew up in a rural city, uh, setting. I'm a home out there. That's, uh, that's a home. I'm, yeah. Uh, people say they're scared out there. I'm not scared out there. I'm 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 where I belong, just like here, and I'm not the dark. I'd like it to be dark. I'm I'm safe in the dark. So uh, why do you feel that way? I, I don't know. I always have. I'm dad. Dad. I think dad taught me those things. Nobody can see in the dark. You know, you're uh-huh. safe out there in the dark, and he's right. He was right. But. Uh, I think it's safer riding at night with all your blinky lights. Yeah, too. yeah. I, uh, I love I love riding at night. If you're through the wilderness, you get to see all the wildlife. You'll yeah. see owls flying you, you ahead see, of you yeah. and deer. And you do. You, see you just every, see, see all the wildlife. I'm respectful. They say, oh, aren't you scared of the grizzlies and stuff like that? I'm, I'm just respectful of them. I know the danger there, but they don't want to bother me, and I don't want to bother them. Yeah. You know, the truth is. Well, they always say, right, you can go drive your car into city and get hit, or oh. you can ride your bike on the Tour Divide and get eaten by a grizzly, I, I guess. But, I mean, you know, they're very scared in I anything am, that you do. I'm more scared of the humans I am in too. the cities. Yeah. I don't stay in cities. Uh, my goal, and that hasn't happened yet, but my goal on the Tour Divide or a race like that is to camp out every night. And I come close last year. I had a lot of mechanicals, and so I had to uh, stay at motel for four bike shops and and I'd wait for them to open. So that's the only time I stayed anywhere besides camping out. So when was the first time you actually did, well, actually, let me back up. After Leadville, 
Um, how long was it after that you did your first ultra, and was that the Tour Divide? Was it, it was the Tour Divide. Uh, I, I waited a couple years. Uh, actually, I, I, I tried to get in. Uh, they, uh, they, Ken, sold, Ken Colbert sold the race uh, to uh, Blueprint, a corporate uh, Lifetime Fitness. Oh, yes, yes. And yes. Uh, originally, that's who he sold it to. And then I, I couldn't get in no more. Uh, they really closed it up. And if you didn't know somebody... Uh, I used to volunteer and help, and I was, uh, there were probably 20 or 30 of us. We were automatically in every year after the first time I got in. and But they didn't know who I was, it seemed like, after that, and I couldn't get back in. So I, I entered, uh, I think, a, a, a race out in Wyoming, but I didn't get in it. And I'm looking for other races to get in. And I came home one, one day and from school, teaching school, and Linda said, oh, I've seen this documentary you ought to. Uh. You, you ought to watch it. I said, really? Yeah, and it's called uh, Ride the Divide. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, I watched it. And, and, you the know, movie that looked, changed bikepacking yeah, forever. Yeah, and she looked at me, and, <laughs> and she, she knew. She, she knew. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, it's her fault. She yeah, introduced I know. it to you. So. <laughs> but, uh, is, it, is Linda fairly adventurous? Is she? You've referred to her. She's kind of She backs champion, me on my adventures, yes. Yeah. Oh, that. yeah, yeah. I, I drug her a few places. <laughs> we, we've gone to. Uh, on some adventures, I mean, we we went moose hunting once on a shoestring when we first got married up in Canada. Yeah, and that then that kind of enlightened her to what <laughs> life was going to be like. <laughs> How'd she take to it? Oh, great, great. That's another whole story. But we yeah. got a we missed a big bull moose and we did it on nothing. I think it cost us a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, or something. that's beautiful. I. I, I don't certainly not a marriage expert, but I've all, for me personally, like having those commonalities, those things that you can kind of bond over, um, are important, you know, because relationships are always going to be a little bit tough, but if you can at least bond over, uh, over some commonality, yeah, it yeah. helps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand each other. You have to give and take. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. If you don't, you know, I mean, I, I hope I understand her too. And, yeah. And see her side of things. Well, 40, 46 years? Yeah, 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 46 yeah. years. pretty good, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, dang, we were going to talk about Leadville. Yeah. Oh, yeah, your first your first Leadville, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my maybe my first tour divide. Your first, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we're on, now yeah, we're on we're the same on. track. So, uh, <laughs> yes. anyway, uh, so I, I, I had a friend that was into endurance biking up at Clinton, Missouri, and he, he was kind of under the radar. People didn't know what he really did. Uh, Sam Ball's his name, and but he he he's right up there with the big boys. He he rode uh, was a road racer, but um, I think he did the, uh, the what's the American race across the United Trans Am. Yeah, the one where you go five or six days. You know, you try to go you know nonstop. Oh, wow. they made a movie about that. Uh, Is that inspired to ride? No, no, no. That, that, trying to... that that's a trail race there. Uh, uh, Ram, Ram. Oh, right across race America. across, yeah, yeah, yeah. Race across America. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, he he did that kind of racing. That I don't think he he didn't do that. He qualified for it once, but he did the uh, furnace. He did a lot of these, like right across uh, the uh, desert. Uh, what what is a uh, like Death Valley? Death Valley. He yeah. did that a couple times. He did the race down in Georgia. <laughs> You know who Tinker Juarez is? I've only heard the well, name. Well, he's rode, you know, he, he, Tinker finally broke one of his records down in Georgia, I think. And 
So, I mean, he's right up there with the big time yeah. guys. And anyway, he, he kind of instilled in me, uh, you know, what endurance racing was. I, I, my light bulb went, I got <laughs> my eyes lit up when I started hearing his stories. And uh, so he's famous for around here riding the Katy Trail. We have a trail called the Katy Trail. Oh, yeah. He used to hold records riding, you know, from Clinton to St. Louis and back. And um, his training would be, he, he run a mower shop and and had a little bicycle. He still does, a little bicycle shop in there. And But his training would be on Saturday and Sunday he'd ride 200 miles Saturday and 200 miles Sunday, and that would be his whole training. Uh-huh. And uh, but and he'd do it quickly. Did you <laughs> did you cut your teeth on the Katy Trail at all? Not really. Uh, mostly around these hills. I rode the Katy Trail some. Yeah. It's very boring. Yeah, I used to use a little my pedestrian. Uh, that's where I train for my long runs for uh, marathons. Is up on the Katy Trail because each mile is marked, and and so you can uh, you know you know if you want to do a twenty mile run, you know exactly right. your time and between miles and your distance out and back. But I, I did my share of the Katy Trail, but it's just a chat road. Most of my training's here in the hills. Yeah. And, and we have, it's all up and down. There's no flat roads. No, here. there's no flat. You're yeah. either going up or going down. Yeah. That's about all you got. Yeah, Unless much. you're crossing a river. Yeah. And yeah. then it flattens out for We, a we have a few <laughs> flat places, but, but uh, you know, I, I, I have some, a lot of routes, 20 mile routes, 10 mile routes. Uh, 50 mile routes, 100 mile routes, and so I just keep going. Right. And uh, so that's that, that first uh, tour divide, it was 2015 or 2013? 2013. 2013. Yeah. Okay. And so, anyway, uh, I was in the dark. I, I, I'm getting in over my head, but that's the neat thing about it. Uh, Dad taught me that too. Just, just jump in, you know. It's just like you learn to swim. Yeah. You got to jump in. So, basically, that's pretty much it. I bought a through Sam uh, up at Clinton, Sam Ball, I, he, he uh, sold a bike called KHS, and, and I'd bought one to, to ride in the uh, Leadville 100, uh, a little 26er, and then, but uh, they they started making a carbon, and I bought a 29KHS Team Elite, and that was my first nice bike. That mm-hmm. was a nice bike. Uh, when I did the Silver Rush 50, uh, I I probably had the first 29er around. I know I was the only one in the Leadville and the Silver Rush 50 on a 29er. Wow, early Somebody adopter. see me on that bike is the Gary Fisher, and uh, I said, "What's that?" And I said, "All I know is the guy at the bike shop said this is a new thing. You yeah. ought to buy one." I just so, listened to another podcast where he had inter- it was uh, the Adventure Stash with Payson McLevin, but they he interviewed um, Gary Fisher, yeah. and they were talking about the 29er and all the the research that went into it and he personally uh kind of i guess came up with the idea and said hey build me this wheel and then tested it out and he's the innovator of the 29er he is yeah, yeah he's yes. the guy he's, he's the, the one. guy some people credit him with inventing mountain bike yeah i mean you know there's a lot of if if not him who else right i haven't met him but uh my buddy uh, met him one time and he, he he's quite a character right? oh, yeah he is yeah. we need people like him yeah yeah and so anyway i I had that bike. My son still has that bike. I give it to my son. Wow, he, he that's rides, great. Rides it now. And I just asked him the other day <laughs> and, uh, about that. But uh, what was that first that first one like? I know that you finished. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> each one been an adventure. I knew, like I said, I know two things. I know I'm going to start and I know I'm going to finish. And of all the runs, I'm 
surely did several hundred uh, different types of runs and I did quite a few bike races of different types and uh, so far I, I I finished every every race I might have drug in last but I yeah. I, I haven't I haven't quit any I, quitting's too easy uh, I learned that I quit a few things two or three things in my lifetime and that's a big mistake and that's the easiest thing you can do is quit so right I, I'm sure one of these days something will happen and I'll have to call it but maybe I come close each time that first time I got out and uh, I I didn't know uh, how to use the GPS I was on maps and and uh, and the first a guy wanted to ride with me and and I thought boy this is the way to go I'll ride with him and and we rode clear to Lincoln and he was having trouble and we we got drowned and we got hypothermia and he, he said let's get a motel and I said well I'll tell you what, I, and I had agenda that I was thought I was going to go out in the oh there in Wyoming that great that that desert. What's that? I can't think of what it's called right now. But anyway, I thought I'd bury my so-called ghost out there in that desert. But anyway, this guy Ed, he said, uh, Let, let's let's stay here. And it was only about noon or one o'clock. And I said, I'll tell you what. If you just, I said, I told you I needed to go off by myself. I want to go on. Maybe you can catch me later. But I said, let me warm up and and dry things out. And he did. And I warmed up in his motel room. And then I, I took off. And I, I called or I text Linda and I told her I'm riding by myself now. And she said, well, be careful. I was heading up in the mountains up towards the Continental Divide. And it was raining. And I and I. She said, you're all by yourself. And I said, well, really, I'm not by myself. And she, I knew she knew what I meant. I was with my couple of buddies I'd lost in Vietnam. And uh, ironically, the thing, I started climbing up this pass called Temple, Temple Pass, or has another name, but you're going up to that pass. And, and uh, all my memories come back and everything. I just let them kind of overflow me, so to speak. And I got up there and it just a big everything got black like it's nighttime, but it was daylight, and uh, a rainstorm, like no oh, no rain. You know I'm I'm in the Continental Divide at the first divide crossing we had, and I crawled under a giant spruce tree and got under there to get out of the rainstorm. I was under there for ten minutes or so and then it let up a little bit and so I peeked out. I looked back the way I'd come from and the sky was just dark black. And then I turned and looked the other way, and that's the way I needed to go, and the sun was shining. Mm. And I looked around, just wildflowers everywhere, beautiful place I'd, I'd never seen. And I thought, this this is it, this is the place. And I found an old stump there, and I got a couple rocks, and I put them by that stump, and that was my so-called monument. To, I was going to bury my ghost right there. I hung around there a while, and it was just a beautiful place, and then I... You might say I rode off in the sunset down down yeah. the mountain. So you, I, I camped that night with the moon, looking out the moon and my little bivy, and I remember. I mean, I remember everything. So then uh, my goal was I, I told my uh, counselor the next year I go to Viet, I go to uh, I'll ride that tour divide, bury my ghost, and then I'm gonna go back to Vietnam. I need to go over there and see if I can find some. Uh, Old Vietnam, France. Uh, I, I'd made my where I was the last seven months there. My, my job, I'd go off our compound and uh, I, I drove a tractor trailer water truck and I'd 
get water out of the river, take it to the field units and the, the LZ zones, landing zones, and, and give them water, and I'd build a little shower for them. That was my main job. And I'd have a, somebody ride shotgun with me, and we, we'd get sniper fire and stuff like that sometimes. But I made friends with the people in Bongsong in the little village where the Bongsong River ran through and because uh, I'd go down there daily and I wanted to go back and see if I could find some of those friends and that that was uh, I don't know 47 years ago or something a long time ago and I didn't I didn't know but that was my goal well I, I we never have had much money so I couldn't afford to go and I still teach in school so I went back to did the tour divide again the next year and uh, I stopped I, I, my ghost didn't leave me, and, uh, and but I visited my monument again, and then uh, I went back the third year, but that I'd, I'd finally figured out I was going to go back to Vietnam and and uh, try to buy a bicycle over there, and uh, and ride up to where I'd been. Mm -hmm. So I figured it all out, and I you know I after I did the tour divide, it was uh, the next. Uh, was February, the end of February. I, I planned this all out, and, and Linda said bye to me, and away I went to Vietnam. And I, I landed uh, in Ho Chi Minh City, they call it now, but Saigon. And uh, it, it, I landed there late at night, about midnight, and uh, I made it through custom and everything, and, I, I, and nothing went right for me, and that, that's par, par for the course. <laughs> I, I, and my phone wouldn't work. I couldn't couldn't get a SIM card to work, uh, and I, I was directed. I was gonna stay at uh, this uh, bed and breakfast place, and that's what they called it. But it was in uh, Saigon, and I supposed to give a cab driver the direction. I supposed to rent a certain kind of cab. Well, I did that, but when you go out on the street, there everybody's swamping you and trying to rip you off. Saigon's a city that doesn't sleep, so even though it's midnight or one o'clock in the morning, everybody's, there's people everywhere. Uh -huh. And they, a, a cab driver, I can't speak Vietnamese, you know, not not nothing that counts anyway. And so they tried to get me in the cab, and long story short, that's the wrong cab, and I got out, and I got in the right cab, and away we went, and the guy shakes his head, I showed him the address, he knew where to go. When I was supposed to go to this, uh, about a 30-minute ride, and Saigon's a huge city. And then uh, turn, go down this alley, and when I get the alley, there'll be a, a sign that had another motel, big flashing light. The guy said, you'll recognize it. But I was supposed to call him and let him know, but I, my phone wouldn't work. <laughs> so anyway, the cab driver, he comes to this alley, said, this is it. I said, that's the alley. And he didn't drive down it, though. So that's it. I thought, okay. And so there I jump out and I've got a couple back. You asked for adventure, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and I'm back, I'm back home though. I, I, you know, it's like, okay. And you know, this is home again. Yeah. And, um, I walked down the end of the alley, probably from here to the gravel road up there. And, uh, and there wasn't nothing. I, none of my landmarks I was supposed to see were there. And I seen a guy leaning against the wall down there and I thought he'd be at me and turned out he's from Taiwan. And he could speak English. And I asked him if I gave him my address. I showed him my paper. He said, you're on the right Main Street, but you're probably a mile away from where you want to be. And I said, okay. And he walked back up to me. And there's little moped motorcycles everywhere. Right. And he motioned this kid over. And he, he, he could talk Vietnamese. And he 
told the kid where I wanted to go. I, I take you, I take you. <laughs> I jumped on the back of his motorcycle and away we went. And we come to an alley and he whipped the end, went down there. And, and I'd seen that big sign of the hotel, which was another hotel that I was going to stay in. But And then uh, he pointed at a little bitty light on a wall, a little sign that, that uh, said Christina. And there's a button there. And I pushed that button. These iron doors open. There's mm. my people that I wow. wanted to meet welcome to, and uh, boy they welcomed me and they had a room for me and everything and I was going to stay there three days and figure out how to buy a bike bicycle and bike up to Bongsong which was probably 800 miles away mm. and I was going to revisit my place as well we couldn't figure that out and I befriended a couple girls one girl in particular her name was Hong these college girls worked there at Christina's and they're their main degrees are in travel and, and uh, tourists and that sort of thing. And so um, they, I befriended this girl, Hong, Hong Tu is her name, and, and she kind of looked at me and helped me get a phone and all this. And she said, you can take a train up there. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> and that was another adventure. I got on that train at 6 o'clock in the evening. And, uh, but we fixed the, uh, up a phone to where I could call her anytime I needed help. Oh, nice. And she just... And so, so you'd hand it to somebody and yeah, say, hey, talk to her. Yeah, she that's knows. what I did. <laughs> I did that. And so I, uh, I rode that train for 14 hours. And that's another whole story. But I'm stuck in a little car with a Vietnamese family, and they couldn't speak nothing, you know. And I thought, man, they'll probably steal everything I had. But, they, you know, I was good to go. <laughs> Dropped me off. Uh, they, the train start, stops about a half mile from the city. I went to Quignon itself and everybody just jumps off and then you i followed everybody else and went up to the train station and i uh, i seen the cabs and i wanted to stay at this seagull hotel and i'd seen it online i'd made a reservation there i had a one of the kids at at uh christina's helped me out and get a reservation there and it's it's like the most fanciest hotel you'd have here in the united states hmm. it was unbelievable seagull hotel cost me forty dollars a night that ain't bad <laughs> yeah, no. God. you know yeah, i mean the i could eat for a dollar you know a nice I meal yeah i know so anyway i i called my friend in saigon and she talked to the cab driver and took me to seagull motel her hotel and i'm talking to the girl there at the desk and told her what i want to do i want to try to buy a bicycle and all that stuff these bicycles around here no do no you don't get the bonks on where i wanted to go it's probably 40 50 miles away and so but the the bellboy he could speak english and he said i take you i said you you can take me up to bonks on he said yeah i said how are you going to do that he said motorcycle motorbike of i course. take you i know work tomorrow <laughs> i said you meet me here in the lobby at eight o'clock in the morning i take you i said wow. oh, well okay and i'm all up for that and sure enough eight o'clock he's down there we jump on his motorcycle and away we went and we went to Bong Son and it took us a couple hours to get there. You don't traffic thirty, forty miles an hour as fast as traffic gonna travel. Hmm. Traffic's unreal in Vietnam. And uh, you don't when you walk across the street in the cities, they don't uh you don't look out for the traffic. You have the right of way. They look out for you. You just walk. Whoa. They miss you, you don't miss them. Oh. You don't wanna stop because they might run over you. They're missing you. <laughs> So, it's a, so you just keep your cadence and you, you just keep your cadence stay steady stay steady and they miss you they might touch you but <laughs> no it's unreal but um, i had to learn how to do that 
Yeah, the girls take... had to help me. They had to hold on my arm and yeah. everything. Get Come on, Hal, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm all I game. I was all for it. Yeah. You know? But uh, anyway, uh, we went back up there. The only thing that I could recognize was the old bridge, the Bongsong Bridge, and it had been destroyed during the end of the Vietnam War. And, and But that's all, all that's there. But I could close my eyes and see everything. Hmm. And then I told him where... Uh, and I mean, all the thatch houses, everything had gone and all rebuilt, bunks on there. But it's, most of the people, a big percent of the people weren't alive during the Vietnam War, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of them are North Vietnamese people because that's what happened. The North Vietnamese probably imprisoned or put in camps. What South Vietnamese was left and, and then they come down and took over the land and so on. And something like that happened. I'm not sure. Yeah. But then uh, I think it was maybe 1985 thing changed and and the South Vietnamese people were let go and the government changed and they're more democracy like now even though it is a communist government but it's it's pretty open and and uh, so there's a lot, there are some of the original people back there that that lived where they used to live and so I told him I knew exactly the the, the street or alley my uh, where I, I'd befriended this boy. He's almost like my son. He's just 10 years old, but he looked out at me and hmm. actually saved my life probably once. Wow. And I was going to see if I could find him. Uh, I didn't think any of that was possible, but we went down this alley or street, and, and there was a house where that used to be as adobe-looking house, and two old people. Uh, a guy was 80 years old. They didn't speak Vietnamese, but I had my uh, friend, the bellboy, Mr. Sal, he he interpreted for me, and and I told him I was looking for this kid. He's a kid back how many years? And that would have made the boy I think 57 years old. I said yeah, Hong. He he lives here. We'll go get him. Mm-hmm. I thought man, no way. That's what I thought. And so here he comes on a motorcycle. About I'd say there 30 minutes to this old guy, and I'm I, I'm sure it was him. He looked like him, but he said it wasn't. He, but. But anyway, long story short, I visited with him for about three hours, and and um, there was an old uh, lady, and actually she was probably a prostitute at the time during the war, and uh, we finally they they told her, said she can speak some English. And she's across the street, and it took them about twenty minutes to get her to come over and talk to me. Her name was Lie, and but uh, we become friends, and <laughs> we talked and shared stories and. I'd say, you know, she was, uh, prostitution was a big deal back then at the time. And and uh, she had many boyfriends, she said. But she knew the same people I knew. We didn't know, really? I didn't know her, but she knew the people I knew. And I asked, asked her about the river girl and her mother, and she knew them. And they had a, a, a Coke and beer stand down there on the river that we'd hang out wow. So she was able to connect some dots. Yeah, and they, they, she said they had died, and they weren't alive no more. And... Uh, so, but anyway, I, and we, we, uh, Mr. Sal, he drove me around and let me mess around, hike around by the river. Hmm. And we, we did some other things there and then we went back and then it was International Woman's Day at the time. And he said, do you come to me for my party tonight? And I thought, <laughs> okay. And anyway, they, he took me to his house and, and, uh, we about, you know, we kind of got drunk and ate a lot of food <laughs> I I talked to him and finally taking me back to my hotel. He wanted me to stay all night there. Oh, that's awesome! But I, I, I how it. hospitable? 
Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's that, so nah. funny. He just overheard you and said, I'll take you and then yeah. chauffeured oh, you around yeah. all day and then took you to a party. I stayed there for seven days and I hiked all over. I went to a uh, oh, uh, leper vil- uh, village, mm-hmm. a leper colony. Okay. And I visited that. I'd just go on foot and hike around. I got lost a few times. I got taken advantage of a couple of times. But I'd get out of it by calling my friends and talking to them. And, huh. But but I had a great time and you know I'm going did it, back. Did it help? It helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I want to go back. And, you know, when I got and then I I went back down to Christina's back down to Saigon. There's a big poster up. Uh, when I got back down there, it said "Welcome home, Harold." My real name's Harold. And, okay. And, uh, <laughs> so, who's that? <laughs> yeah, I know. But that that's. You know, that's how I introduced myself because I okay. had an official name on my documents. And stuff I got to you. Get in so there. you went by that. I t- and I eventually called myself Hal. I told mm. them, but they they thought I was Harold for a while. Right. But anyway, that's that. They really took me in. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I everywhere I go, I seem to meet somebody. And people ask me, you know, aren't you scared? And you know, like even on the tour divide, or I'm out you carry a gun or a weapon or uh, oh my my weapon is my smile and my handshake and uh, i think that that protects you as much as anything where did you learn that the dad my dad your dad yeah dad told me that yeah why well he, he, he just, it, just by know. example or yeah, was example, it example example yeah no so does smiling come natural to you? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was curious. I mean, you you have an iconic smile. Oh, I mean, I it's it, it you do. I but mean, my it, dad. If uh, anyone talks about how they're going to talk about your big grin. <laughs> no. Yeah. If you walk up on you and you're you're smiling ear to ear and you reach out your hand and you're pleasant to somebody, it's hard for somebody to want to want to have hard feelings towards you. I say you. it's like a, a dog. If that dog's uh, wagging his tail, you're gonna you know you're gonna pat it on the head. You're gonna talk to it. If it's a growling, you probably, you're probably not. Right. So, so you you you're setting the stage as to how the other person will react yeah, to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I think I like to think it's just, uh, and I naturally am that away. I just I'm naturally smiling, and they see me, and I I think when I look at them, I'm probably smiling. Yeah. Sometimes that can get you in trouble, but more more times <laughs> than not. <laughs> like why are you smiling yeah, at me? Yeah. That actually happened to me the other. The other day where I was sitting in my car and a, a stra- some guy off the street, I don't know, knocked on the window and I was sitting in front of a house taking a, a phone call for work and I rolled down. He's like, is this your house? I said, no. And uh, he's like, I want to buy it. And I, I guess I was smiling. Yeah. I didn't realize it, but it was kind of an awkward yeah. situation. I was like, well, I don't know whose house yeah. this is. He's like, why are you smiling at me? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't, you know, yeah. trying to, but he kind of got aggressive. Yeah. And I was like, I, I thought it was interesting that you're asking me to buy this house and I don't know whose it yeah, is. It, yeah. It's just kind of an awkward situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think I've run the few. A couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, it's in a. Most part. And you, you kind of have that feeling. Uh, yeah. I, I relate it to like animals have an instincts. And, and you, you hear people say, go with your gut, go with your gut feeling. Well, I think really uh, humans have instincts, and I think our gut feeling are our instincts. We we're 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 animals, so we have instincts too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, women protect their young, and so on. And I think we all have those. So when you have that gut feeling, that's probably an instinct. <laughs> that's how I relate it to. Yeah. So um, 
like danger's here and that instinct kicking in to protect you and that's how I view it and I have that happen every once in a while actually I was on the tour divide and I'm in Silver City last year and uh, I, I'm I'm finishing up uh, I'd made it that night uh, maybe midnight or one just through the uh, uh, CD trail CD Continental Colorado Divide trail. trail Park and uh, I'm probably 20 miles outside of Silver City. So that, I got up about 4 in the morning. I camped in the, along the trail and headed on into Silver City, got McDonald's, got something, got me food, and I needed to go to the, a convenience store, and there are not many there along the trail and mm-hmm. of the street and on your route in Silver City. And I stopped at one the little grocery store, convenience store. There's a line in there, and I noticed one guy, big guy, really watching me. And when I went outside, uh, he come up and started talking to me, really visiting, and he's just almost, first I started answering questions, what I'm doing, what, mm-hmm. telling the exact route I was going to take, and then I, all of a sudden it's like that instinct, that feel, gut feeling. He's asking me too many mm-hmm. questions. And then he said, are, are you packing? And uh, I said, I'm okay, I'm good. And he mm-hmm. said, you, are you carrying? I said, I, I take care of myself. I'm, you know, uh, Don't you get scared out there? I said, no, I, I'm good. I'm really good. Mm-hmm. So I get, I don't have nothing with me. So right. No, you're good. Yeah, but uh, that's all he yeah, needs to know. Yeah, that's all he needed to know. <laughs> and uh, I said, I, I need to go. I, I'm going to finish today, tonight. You know, I had 125 miles to go. And so uh, I think it's about 8 o'clock in the morning or something like that. So uh, there was an, uh, he, he was kind of a rough looking guy. He's from New York. He told me everything about him, kind of in a brief five minutes. And, but he it surprised me. He went over and there's this new looking big Dodge pickup, and it said it had an emblem, silver emblem that said Texas on the side of it. And I noticed that big Longhorns, and, mm-hmm. and the uh, Texas he, edition. Yeah, and he got <laughs> in that, and I thought, oh, you know, it surprised me. And there was a sort of a, a vagabond looking guy sitting right by his pickup. He got up and he and he walked over to me, and I was trying to get my stuff tied on ready to leave i kind of like a gypsy i have stuff tied over my bike and so uh he said nice bike thanks and he said how much that cost you i said i don't know he said no how much a bike like that costs a lot then i said i build it myself so i really don't know so i gotta go because mm-hmm. he he really gave me a, you know i had that gut feeling again and so uh i, I just Got on my. By that time, I had stuff fastened down. I got on the road away and trying to see where I could see the license plate number on the truck, but I couldn't without going out of my way. Uh-huh. So I I went on and and I got about five miles up the road or a little ways up the road, and that truck passed me. Oh damn! That's what I was afraid of. And it went and it went on by me. And this you go oh, 17 miles on a, a good highway before you can turn off on a gravel road, and you got to go. Uh, I don't know, 50, 60 miles of that gravel out in nowhere across ranches and so on. And uh, so uh, I went a little bit farther, and there he was pulled off the side on the side of the highway. Oh, oh man. Dang. And I had to cruise around, and he had dark windows, and I couldn't see in. Oh, dang it. And I went on, and I got several miles, and here he come slowly driving by me. Oh, dang it. Anyway, I just had this eerie feeling, and so I... Uh, 
I called my son and I told him, if I disappear, you know, <laughs> here's what. <laughs> I was about to ask you if you yeah. called anybody. Yeah, yeah. At first I called uh, uh, my nephew, checks on me a lot. And, but I called my son and I said, uh, just in case I disappear, here's the deal going on. Yeah. He said, oh, Dad, call 911. I said, really? He said, yeah. Call. And so I did. I called him and I said, we'll send the sheriff right out. And uh, so he said, but he, she said, don't move. Stay right there. So I did. And I waited five or ten minutes. Nobody came. I called him back. And I got the same lady. And she said, well, they said they'd be coming. And then all of a sudden a sheriff car drove by and they did a drive-by. And then they turn around and come back. And it was a lady, a young young girl, a sheriff. And, and uh, I told her the whole story and everything. And she took all my information. And, and uh, she said, I'll do a 25-mile mm. up and back. And, and evidently, if that guy was still around, it scared him off. And, and she come back and talked to me. She said, I, I might have seen him. I'm not sure, but uh, I think you're safe. So I went on, and I yeah. made it. But... That's why you're safer out in the woods than around people. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I've had, uh, usually what I do, if I meet somebody that I have a bad feeling about, the first thing I do is shake, take out my hand and tell them who I am. And, uh, and they, they'll, generally, they just can't help it. They say, I'm, I'm Ricky, I'm Roger, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm Angela, whoever they are. I've had women do that, too. And I had this one guy in particular, I forget his name now, Jeffrey, I believe was his name, and... We were in uh, Elena, Montana, and uh, he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Missouri. And he ripped open his shirt, and he had Missouri tattooed across <laughs> his chest. He said, I'm from Missouri, too. We're home bros. And I said, oh, uh, home cool. bros. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he he said, uh, I, I was thinking about holding you up, but uh, I won't now. And I, at the time, I was riding, was my, my cousin was riding with me. That was in 2014. And he said, Good thing he didn't detain us. I said, I don't think that's what he meant. <laughs> and he was actually, the guy was making a drug deal there, and I was watching it, you know. And oh, he, wow. He did it and everything. But I, but what I said I did, I, I, I take their I ask them, people like that, I ask them if I can take their picture. I said, you know, I document things, and I make little photo stories, and when I get back, and I like to have people, I meet people I meet, and and that, I, I've only had one lady turn me down one time. She didn't think she looked good enough. So uh, but that's, I take a, their that's picture, a great idea. And then I push a button and I, I, I send it to my iCloud and, and I've had their picture. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, that's I, I, I did that on the American Trail Race twice. And uh, I, I think that's one guy, kid, come running up and he, I think he was high on meth or whatever. I think he thought he was going to relieve me of my bike or whatever but i i stuck out my hand and we got to talking and <laughs> i finally said i i gotta go and he gave me a hug with this one good arm he only had one arm oh wow uh, okay dude <laughs> that's a great lesson yeah that, those are two great lessons but, smile uh, shake their hand and then take their picture take their picture yeah that's smart yeah i, I do that and i mean I, you you know it's self-supported yeah, you're out I said, there i'm and... just send this to my iCloud so i, I you know, I tell them, I've, right. I've, I've recorded this. <laughs> but then I, they like that. You know, I mean, people they like you to be friendly, I think. I think so. Yeah, so. I, feel, I think that most of us are pretty good. And, yeah. and, you know, some of us get off track. I've been off track before. And um, 
you know, but deep down inside, I think a lot of us are good. And so if you approach them like that dog with a tail wagon, yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. hard to go and kick that dog. Yeah, you it know? is. It is. Yeah, I, I, I really believe that. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, let's. you've done so many things on and off the bike, but, you know, this is a bikepacking podcast. <laughs> um, what, what, what's your personal, like, biggest accomplishment on, on the bike? What are you most proud of? Finishing the American Trail Race. Um, Why don't we? Do you want to describe that real quick? Because that's even a relatively new race. So it might is. Be worth um, talking about a little. My bit. friend Billy Rice had. Uh, I, I seen where uh, a year or two before it had. I think Neil Belichinko uh, helped him formulate that race as well. But I'd heard about it. And I thought, man, that that's got to be a cool race. It's it's like the Tour Divide only. It's from the Atlantic to the Pacific, and and uh, nobody ever did it. And they didn't even know, you know, what the trails would be like or anything. And that was this one was of the deals. Or it 16? was in 2017. Okay. You're going to come to different areas that there might not be a trail there. And, but it's, you know, and that's what happened. You'd have a purple line on your GPS. And he said, you're just, you know, if you figure it out. And, and you would. I, one time, I don't know, I pushed my bike a long ways and just through the sagebrush and stuff and there's no trail there mm-hmm. i seen a couple other bike tracks once in a while but other people would blow their thing up and find a route around it but i generally went through it and we went across private land a couple of times i never had good uh, a dylan taylor he won the race and he was leading it and he would find ways around it and he'd send us how to get around it but i i didn't have connections i didn't get his you know taxes and or nothing so uh, twice I went right through the private land. Nobody bothered me, but I went right on. I followed my line, went on through. Yeah. I got stopped once, and a guy told me how to. He said, "You can't get through this place, but go up by this barbed wire fence and get through it, and cr- drag your bike under and go down along the fence." And I, I did what he said, and I, you know, stayed on pretty well on my line. And a time or two, I had to go around. Just no trail completely, and you had to deviate around. But um, when I, uh, the desert was probably the hardest. I think when I got through Colorado, and that part of Colorado is tough. You got a couple of alpine climbs, and, and I got sick a few times. I got altitude, or? I got altitude sickness in Colorado, but I overcame that in Lake City. And then uh, I got, my foot got infected, a toe got infected. I, I knew something was going wrong with it. And one night I, I, I was in Utah. I, uh, looked at my foot that night and it was all infected and had kind of red lines up my leg and so i i was kind of scared you know i mean i was worried that hey i might have to go to the hospital and i had a hundred and i want to say 180 miles to go without any stops but uh, there was a place uh that was off route uh, only about two miles on a, a big big interstate highway and so I went over there. Well, long story short, I woke up in the morning. My foot was really bad. And I called Linda, and, and I had some. Uh, About what mile was this into the race, just for reference? Oh, uh, probably uh, 3,500. Okay. I so you were getting closer to the end. Uh, well, somebody told me Close-ish. when I got to Colorado, they said, you're, you're about there. I, said, <laughs> yeah. I think my race is just starting. And uh, it's a Utah, Nevada, Oregon that that's going to test you. So it goes east to west. Yeah, okay. that, that's going to test your ability uh, 
first thing, it, it averaged 100 degrees every day and and uh, up to 100. I think the RSI record was 112. Mm. But uh, Oregon was the hottest, actually. Oh, that's surprising. And, and, but you just you have no tree, no nothing in the desert, and that sun just beating down on you. Uh, it, it it's unbelievable, and and your water is almost boiling. It seems like you know you're drinking hot hot Gatorade and hot water all of a sudden, and you're afraid that you can't run out. You're there's nobody out there, nobody. You're there hadn't besides the other bike riders. And I'm I all of a sudden, I think uh, in Nevada, Utah or Nevada, Billy sent me a text and he said, now now you're the you're the Lantern Rouge. You're the last one. There are two other guys behind me, and they. They 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 uh, DQ'd. They they took another route. They they had to quit. They said mm. and they they did make it to the coast, but they went another route and yeah. by the highways and so on. And so uh, I said, you know, okay. And, but uh, was that was that a, a a good push, a good motivator? Well, you've never quit anything anyway. I wasn't so gonna, you didn't you I, didn't need there's any no more way motivation. I was gonna quit. Uh, but uh, my foot, you know, gave me pro. You know, I thought, wow, what am I gonna do now? And uh, I had this uh, zithromycin for my antibiotic that I carry. I carry stuff with me, and, and so uh, I I took it. And Linda said she would call the uh, our nurse practitioner at home and and see what I should do. And I she actually she called me and I was able to talk to her. Oh wow! And she said uh, you're probably all right, Hal. Uh, <laughs> you probably need an antibiotic. When next town you get to, I probably need to need you to go to a pharmacy and get an antibiotic like a penicillin antibiotic mm. uh, okay and and uh so um uh but she said send me a picture of your foot you're probably okay and i did and oh i got a text right back you're not okay <laughs> you have blood poisoning i run uh, up my leg so that's when i went off route two miles and i went to this uh, uh truck stop big 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 stop and i went and told a lady i'd had had trouble and there's a picnic grounds there with with uh shade and everything i asked the lady is okay and the nurse practitioner said you should i sat down and take a little bit of time off and take care of it and so i i got some ice in there and the lady said i'll look out after you the lady in the store and uh, i asked her is okay if i went out there and cabbage one of those picnic tables and slept a little bit and yeah yeah so i iced my foot and and everything and the, my nurse practitioner said you uh need to put a pad of something on there and then tape it up and, uh, and so i did i all i had was gorilla tape and i had some bandages and i put that on there gorilla tape my foot up and i'd already cut my shoes i did an x like that and slipped my mm -hmm. shoes open to take the pressure off because i actually had trouble with both feet but just infection one so uh i did that and that helped a lot and about two o'clock it it cooled off it clouded up and that's the first time it did that and, well, I got on my bike and took off because I couldn't stay there. And I rode 80 miles, and late that night, uh, I got close to Nevada. I was still in Utah. And uh, when I woke up, I just camped out in the desert. And when I woke up the next morning, the pain was gone. Whoa, Whoa I caught a break here. That the penicillin I didn't the... have the penicillin yet. Okay. The zithromycin had kicked in. So uh, it was a long next day. Uh, they, uh, Linda had called ahead and and said there's a pharmacy there in Ely, and uh, I could get that pharmacist could get me some medicine there. So uh, I, uh, you know, that was uh, 
my intent was to make it there and that was a long hot day it was mm. way over 100 degrees it seemed like all day long i was running out of water but long story short at three o'clock in the morning i made it there i uh, got a motel a little you know in the there's gambling everywhere it's 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 nevada <laughs> but it's all about casinos mm -hmm. and everything else on the dark side you, you might get say. married there too real quick yeah, if you, you want. can do anything there, <laughs> i noticed <laughs> but anyway i stayed in this motel and uh 5 30 in the morning i seen i had a text from this pharmacist and i called him he said i, I want to know where he was i could come it's sunday he said I, I'll, I'll be right over there and he brought the cell oh, pills to me and uh, dropped them off to me so that's our job he said we that's what we're supposed to do so anyway i that's got nice got, got it and started taking them and and i got over that I, I had some other injuries i cut my knee open and and i needed to uh have it sewed up probably but i just took steroid strips and, and gorilla tape and taped it around <laughs> there and I, I stopped at another pharmacy and got some iodine that cured it but when i got there when i finally did make it to the the coast that's unreal uh, uh, I noticed everybody, the people, I say everybody, there's only eight ahead of me, only eight, eight finishers. One of them was a tandem, so there's actually nine riders. But uh, 12 of us, bike started and eight finished. And That's impressive for that race. Yeah, yeah. But th That's these were good, real people. Good finish that, percentage. That, there wasn't no uh, rookies, so to speak, right. in, in the race. Yeah. They, they were the real deal. And so even the ones that dropped out, they were real. They just... Yeah. Had reasons. They, mm -hmm. You know. It happens. Yeah. And, but anyway. Uh, Was it, oh, sorry, go no. ahead. Uh, like, uh, I told you, I like baseball. My idea, if you're a baseball fan or baseball player, the old one, if you were, I'm, I'm not, I never was very good, but I love baseball and I played as much as I ever could. And I'm mostly a bench setter, but I, I even coached baseball for years mm. in high school and the little leagues and Babe Ruth and stuff. But uh, if you do make it to the major leagues, they say you get your cup of coffee. That's that's the ultimate. If you just make it up there. And so when I finished, that's, you know, my thinking was as an endurance bicyclist, I got my cup of coffee. I might not really belong there, but I, I, I touched base. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I had that feeling. That I, counted for you. I, I, I just got, you know, I won't be, I'll never get on a podium or anything, but I got my cup of coffee in yeah. that race. That's and, awesome. And, uh, and I, I still feel like I'm still getting to drink a cup of coffee once in a while when I finish the Tour Divide and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you get uh, that feeling. Yeah. So was it all the adversity of that race that made it such uh, a oh, great accomplishment oh, yeah. that you yeah. overcame so much to be able to have your cup of coffee at the finish? Yeah, 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 I mean... You get that euphoria feeling when you finish a race like that. If you don't, something's wrong with you. <laughs> and that, that's that's pretty neat. Uh, it just and so how are you, how are you able to not quit? Because like you said, quitting yeah. is easy. So how do you, how do you not give yourself permission well, to quit? Because you certainly, I mean, you the, fir the first race, like I was going to say, and I got off on something else. But I'm, I'm great at tangents. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Uh, when I uh, I was riding with another guy and we'd left a steamboat and uh, actually we were 20 miles out by a steamboat lake at the Stagecoach Lake and it was real hot and I'd stop there and there's fishermen and I'm talking to the fisherman a minute and there's a, a 
conservation restroom there and went to the restroom. And I had I carry a backpack. I'm probably a few people that do, but I do. Had everything in that backpack. I had my money, my passport, my phone, everything that meant anything was in that backpack. And I laid it on a rock and I rode about mm. 10, 15 miles away and I realized I don't have my backpack. And I told the guy I was riding with, I said, I, I got to go back. And I left him then and I headed back and and uh, uh, the fisherman was gone, my backpack was gone. Oh, and there I am. And so I found an, a fisherman down, another fisherman down by the lake and told him my dilemma. And I said, I need to use your phone. And he let me use his phone. And, and I, I called Linda and everything. I called Matthew Lee, got a hold of him. And, uh, and long story short, he said, stay in the race. You know, I said, I am. I just got to <laughs> figure this out. And I'd been riding with another kid. He was the youngest in the race. And I was the oldest. And his name was Drew. And uh, he'd dropped back behind me. And I had the fisherman, after he let me use his phone, he had to take me up the top of the mountain in this vehicle to get phone service. And he said, take me back down, drop me back off where I was. And, and uh, I said, there's a kid coming behind me. And when he dropped me off, I got out of the, the vehicle, that kid popped up over the <laughs> hill, and, uh, Drew. And I said, hey, Drew. And I told him, I said, uh, if you let me ride along with you, I've lost my maps, everything. I go on my maps. I said, uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, he was about ready to drop out. I'll, I'll, I'll see you get the end because mm -hmm. that's where I'm going. And so anyway, I had money sent to me and a new spot tracker, new phone, little little flip phone, and and I got we we rode all day that day and and got it uh, at Silverthorne and and uh, he stayed with me the whole time. We we made it to the board and we're the best oh, of friends awesome. today. Yeah. So yeah. he was thinking about dropping out. Yeah. And yeah. You had no I no. Yeah. He he had seven dollars in a dad credit card. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, we yeah we're we're we were lot, lifetime where, friends. Where does that come from though? Do you have any idea where that? Because when I was talking to Lael, she said that I mean, just the thought of quitting just never enters your brain. No, not not. Why, where does that come from? What is that? I think my dad instilled that into me. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories, uh, and he related. I'm, <laughs> I, I get off on tangent telling stories, but please do. Uh, I, I, I like I like the outdoors. I coon hunted when I was a kid. Dad was a coon hunter and hunted uh, had hounds. And when Linda and I got married, uh, we moved back to the farm. I I wanted to buy a coon dog. She didn't know what a coon dog was, <laughs> <laughs> and so I got an old dog. And then I, uh, uh, this buddy of mine, he had some puppies. He said, um, I'll sell you the. A good puppy, good dog, and so I went out there, and there's just twenty five dollars. He said, and I picked out the one I wanted, and he said, oh, not for sale, and uh, he said, I've sold them all but one, and I said, well, which one? He said, I can't find it, and <laughs> and uh, he said he had nine. There were only eight in the pen, and we looked outside the pen and crawled under, and there's this little runt, sick old coon hound there. He said, that's it. Oh, dang, it's about to die. Oh, that's it. And I said, well, okay. And I named him Willie, and I took him home and showed him to Dad. And I said, dang, this is a dog I bought. He said, no, don't worry about that. He said, the trick to that is, um, he said, you just let him be who he can be. There's no quitting a dog like that. And I remember him saying that. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, just like you, you you, you, you never quit anything. Just, just stay, hang in there, and he'll be the best, best he can possibly be. And, 
that's what you're he always taught me that was my goal too and i, I i'm trying to write a book and i'd never probably get it done but uh and uh, my idea is you touch both lines that'd be the so-called name of my book i believe that uh, if you're an athlete and you're and say a basketball player the coach has you run back and forth the, and uh and and practice and you reach touch down you lines, touch, yeah. touch the line i grew up playing end. tennis and we we touched yeah, the lines, yeah. And, and most sports you have to do that in conditioning but a lot of kids won't do that they the coach isn't looking they they won't I, i've watched that lots of times they won't touch both mm -hmm. lines but dad taught me to touch both lines he said you'll be as successful as you possibly can be if and that he said same with your dog and anyway that little dog for six years until i lost him he died but he, he was the toughest little he, he he got famous around the local parks he was mm -hmm. he was and he taught me a lot and that's my coon dog story and i'd tell that to the kids <laughs> i'd coach kids in basketball i had a big story when one i had a little girl i i called her the hot little engine she uh she had a lot of other people instilled in her but she was just five foot four five foot five and and she reminded me of that, and I used that story. You, you never give up. And long story short, for her, I never seen a kid practice basketball like she did, and she ended up playing for Creighton University, and and uh, you know and did great. Yeah, she just, she's awesome though. But that's so why our daughter and our son they touch both lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when no one's looking, touch both lines. You, you always touch both lines. Uh, if you forgot how many push-ups you were doing, well, start, start over. over, do it nice. again. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, you learn through adversity. Adversity is a thing that teaches you. Yeah. Hardship is a thing that teaches you. And some of us have life hardships, and some of us go and ride ultra-distance bicycles yeah. and uh, find hardships there. But you know, you you don't learn when you quit. You learn when you keep on going. Yeah. You find out what you're really capable of. The next year, uh, we uh, the Tour de Tour Divide. It was a big snow year. 2014 was a lot of snow. We had to overcome. We had to drag our bikes through uh, Avalanche, uh, Whitefish Pass, and it was a pretty rough year. And I had a, one breakdown, and I, I was 40 miles out of uh, the other side of Pinedale, and I had to go back to Pinedale and get my bike worked on and 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 start over from Pinedale. I overcome all that that, and I think. Uh, and next year I had a lot of mechanics. Each year I've had things, and then uh, 2016, I believe it was, or 2015 was a, a mud year in Pie Town. Uh, got in a lot of mud, and, and you get caught in that mud. You're not, you're not going to go from here to the other end of this deck. Uh, you, you got to stay there for about five or ten, or probably ten hours until it dries out. Yeah, just that happened out. to me twice. Billy Rice, he was behind me. He's trying to beat me. Him and Lena were doing riding a tandem. <laughs> oh, that, that was a yo-yo. Yeah. yeah. No, this was um, after that. The, okay, because yeah, the yo-yo he, he going a, back. Billy's uh, awesome dude, and he, him, and his daughter Lena. I think she's just sixteen. They did a tandem ride. Yeah, uh, pretty awesome. She was sixteen. Lena. I actually interviewed him for the show too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he we talked about that a little bit. I consider him a great friend. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, uh, they did that and. But they got caught in that mud too. <laughs> they didn't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're well. So, how many tour divides have you completed? And then you're going. You're about to leave. You're this getting will, ready to get up for yeah, number what? This will be number six. This will be, okay. I've, I've 
I've started and finished five of them. And the goal is to keep that, uh, you know, stay in the spirit of the race. Uh, I believe in that. I do every inch of the race. Uh, I, I, I don't, you know, rat on anybody, but there's a lot of people that don't do the route out there, and they deviate from it. And I've seen that, they yeah. They call it cheating or whatever they want. But the spirit of the race is, uh, you know, Matthew Lee made up this awesome race in my way of thinking, and and uh, no matter what the adversity, adversity of it is, it's there for you to see if you can do it. Right. It's different each year. Somebody asked me, uh, uh, he put in this Coco Claims and uh, route that you'll do. For me, it'll be the second day, when I, basically, or the end of the first day when I'll hit this Coco Claim. That's a hike bike for uh, four or five, six miles, and it, it's just nothing but big rocks. And mm-hmm. it, it's pretty cool, but because the road was out the way that, that we did go, he put this in. Well, a lot of people gripe about that, and and I, I actually talked to Matthew last year, and he said, "You think I ought to take that back out, Hal?" And I, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you know, I, I, it, either way is good with me. However you make it, but wow, that's that's pretty neat. We, you know, we're we're going through a wilderness, and that's what the race is all about. Seeing, can you do this? Right. And, and can you do it in uh, under thirty days or less, or whatever the keep your dot blue uh you're considered a tourer if you can't do that and uh, but there's people that deviate from the course and you know i have people that are behind me and all of a sudden they're in front of me and i didn't see i'm awake mm-hmm. they didn't pass me and i think well i know you and i both had a little bit of golf in our background and it's like if you hit it in the rough and no one can see you are you going to kick it out a little bit yeah. or are you going to play it where it lies it's the you know? same with touching both lines you, you got it you know you got to play you, where no. it lies you got to touch the lines yeah. whatever it is uh, i i uh if I pride myself on anything, it's, uh, you know, I, I do every inch of the race. Uh, if I didn't, it, it, you know. You'd know it at not, the end. No, I mean, I, I'm positive I, I have. I have done every inch unless they have a, a legal uh, reroute. Right. They have had some of those, you know, and uh, they rerouted us last year for a fire reroute. But I ran into one place, and the uh, a park people tried to turn me around. And uh, and uh, I asked a park ranger, I said, I, I I, I need to go through here. And he said, well, don't tell him I let you go through, but he let me go through. I said, okay. And then I got to another place, and I got up uh, at the top of this pass, uh, and I, I can't remember names right off. I'm getting old, but uh, it's in New Mexico, and it, it road closed. And I seen a, a park worker there. They were shutting the whole whole uh, campground down. He said, you can't get through there, and the gates were closed. I said, i got to go through And he said, Boy, park ranger see you, and they got a sign that says ten thousand dollar fine. I said, "Oh, take it, you know." You, I said, "Dang it!" And I tried. I called Matthew Lee and left him a message, and finally I told him what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna blow my thing up, and I asked one of the guys there, a Mexican-like guy, and I asked him, "There a way around this?" I said, "I, I want to come back in around this little spot." He said, "There is. There's a road down there." He said, "You can sneak through there." So I, went, I retraced my trail and went back down the mountain and, and come in underneath on gravel wow. road. Matthew Lee said, that's awesome. He said, you went way out of your, your car for quite a few more miles than other people. <laughs> but And I wanted to get to Sylvia's at Cannon Plaza. I, I She's a friend I meet every year. Mm-hmm. And so I did, and I made it, and I went on. And then there was another place that said road clothes, but I slipped on through there. So, And I talked to Matthew. I, he called me back, and... He said, yeah, it, it's open. He said, you're supposed to go through there unless I officially say it's not. Mm-hmm. He said, 
uh, I've talked to, to the forest rangers, and they're supposed to let you guys do it. Good. Yeah, I love that spirit. Yeah. yeah. What so, What are your goals for 2019 going? 25 days, and it's always 25 days. I think I can make it in 25 days if uh, something doesn't derail me. Now, What's this, your fastest? Uh, 27 something. Okay. Uh, probably near 28, but I did it in 27 something once. I did it. Uh, I've always kept my dot blue back. Uh, my first year was 31. The second with the snow. As long as you're staying in the spirit of the race and and you're with the crowd, Matthew's going to keep your dot blue. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I think with 31 or 32 days in that year with all the snow and and uh, well, there was only 40 some of us finished. How uh, how's this year going to be with the snow? It's going to be real trying. I, I heard I, that I, it's going to be a pretty they, rough It'll year. be. Uh, it could be a real adventure out there. <laughs> he's smiling right now while he says that, by the way. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's awesome. I I do think I know uh, every bit of their trail. Yeah. I, I, what you know, part What part is hard for you and what part do you thrive on, if anything? I, I th- I, if I use the word thrive, uh, I relish or get off on all the trail. I love it all. I like it all. Um, and people ask you what's the hardest part. I think... Uh, I finally answered that, and I, I write, usually I'll do a write-up for the Cordillera book each year. And uh, the hardest part, I think, is at the end uh, when you hit the CD trail, probably from Beaver Workstation, uh, especially last year, there's no water source whatsoever. And uh, once you, you you tank up on water there, you have about 200 miles to go, but you got to uh, to finish the race, but you got to go clear to Silver City. And that CDT... You get there, it's a single track, probably, I'm thinking 12 miles, I'm not sure. But it's rough through there. And you get there in the dark, for me, I have to push. And uh, I made it. And I, I, I was coming down with the shingles last year, and I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. I I thought I'd hurt myself. I'd had a wreck, but I'd had the shingles. And I broke out with them right at the end of the race as soon as I finished. And that was pretty rough. But uh, but anyway, uh, I, th- I think that's a the hardest part of the race uh, yeah you run out of water and might run out of food how many how many liters are you carrying uh i only normally i'll uh, if i can get a water source i'll put iodine pills or uh you know in my water and uh, i only carry three liters try oh, to wow. but and those across the uh great basin in wyoming and that section I'll, i i got capacity of six or seven liters. okay so you have it if you yeah. need it yeah nice and so that was that was the tour to, 2017 Tour Divide, and then, right, is that right? Or well, last, last year was 2018 Tour Divide. 28? Yeah, this is 2019. All right, I got, I got it yeah. I got it crossed. 2017 so was ATR. I met you, I you met, met me, me t- at, or I met you, I met you at the 2018 Grand Gravel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so I was thinking that you went into the Grand Gravel with shingles, but you got it afterwards. Yeah, I got it the next year. Okay. Yeah, I went ahead and did the Tour Divide. Well, that's good because you beat me, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't beat me with shingles on top of everything yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to. Was that actually? I wanted to talk about the Grand Gravel because that's where that's where I first met you, and we got. Um, you know, it, it was great. I have great memories from yeah. that race because obviously I knew who you were coming into it, and it was my first race. And I was, we kind of leapfrogged each other quite a bit, you know. Uh, it seemed, do you, remember, do you remember that? It seemed like we were always like. I remember like it all. <laughs> leapfrogging. Yeah. One neat thing about the race is that you can have a, 
you might not, and for me, I might not be that competitive, but especially the Tour Divide, there's people in front of you and people behind you. And I like to think I'm always trying to catch those people within 50 or 100 miles in front of me, and I'm trying to stay ahead of the ones that distance That's behind That's your me. race. Yeah, and so that, yeah, you get to race. And the same way with the Grand Gravel. Um, I wasn't in shape to do the Grand Gravel that year, but Billy, uh, how you got to do it, and I just, I'm not going to do it, but he kept edging me on. Come on, do it. <laughs> he said, I think how he says he's not going to do it, but he really is. So I, I said, okay. He goaded you into he it. He did, and I went down there, and no miles on me at all. And, but uh, I, I did it, but you just happened to be the one that <laughs> was around me. <laughs> I'm glad I was and, around uh, you. It and was... then there the two Sheilas, if you know Sheila. I do, yeah. Uh, the Sheilas, I call them number one number two. <laughs> and, you know, I... I'm thinking I'm not going to let them beat me, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, and there, there were two or three others behind me. And Billy said, you're mid-pack. And so I uh, passed you probably the, the second day you were camped by a, in your sleeping bag by this little building or something, a little shed. Mm-hmm. And I snuck by you. I didn't wake <laughs> up. <laughs> but yeah, then, you snuck by me the second that, time. Well, you, sla- you or... slipped by me. Uh, I was at a sea store, and I seen you go by me. You're crossing a bridge, and was at some town. You went on by me, and uh, uh, so you were in a restaurant once the first day when I passed you, but then you went by me. And anyway, but I seen you go by me, and then somehow I got by you. I didn't know how I got by you that last next to last day, but uh, I got me a bunch of fried chicken at a place, and. And I'd stopped up in the mountain or in a, a Yeah, you park. can't say mountains. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't mountains. There wasn't no mountains. There wasn't even no hills. And that yeah. There. But anyway, I stopped there in, the, I think, some kind of national park. And I leaned against a tree, and I seen your light coming. And uh, you asked me how far I was going. I said I was getting ready to camp. <laughs> yeah, and so that was night three. Yeah. It was about 350 miles yeah. in, I think. But uh, I lied to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for clearing that <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, and you said you were going to go camp. And so I let you go get out of sight, and then I <laughs> I quietly come up behind you. I didn't know where you camped, but— I had a pretty stealth spot that yeah, night. Yeah, and so I— Well, uh, I've been wondering—I had to ask you about that because, I mean, that was the one thing— well, there was a lot of things that stood out from that race, but I remember that. And uh, you passed me, uh, you know, I was like— I, I was trying to decide because there was about 150 miles left. Yeah. And I already we we both probably put in a pretty good day yeah. already. Yeah. And I'm like, man, it's that it's that spot where it's kind of close, but it's also kind of far. Yeah. And I was really struggling with whether or not I was going to keep going or not. And you, you, I think you just put that in my head, and you're like, oh, I think I'm just going to go yeah. a little ways yeah. and, and sleep. And uh. and mentally, I think I just kind of turned it off. And I'm ashamed to admit, but I, what what it really came down to for me was that McDonald's that's in Navasota. Oh, yeah. I, I, w- I was starting to have a little bit of a rough time, and I, I based I was like, all right, if that's a 24-hour McDonald's, I'm going to keep going because I want an Egg McMuffin or whatever yeah. it was that I wanted. And uh, it I was got, closed, yeah. and so I wound up— huh. Uh, camping yeah and then i woke up and i'm like that old dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I love it though man i love it I got it's in all a, in the spirit of the race got man. in about nine that morning i think something like that yeah and uh, i got into to that afternoon yeah. and that's and that's yeah. that sleep man yeah i love it <laughs> I, hey i learned you know i learned another thing from you uh i was pulling into a c store and you were pulling out 
and uh, you had your sandwich in your mouth, <laughs> and you know you weren't even all the way packed up. You were in, and you were, yeah. and I was like, right. all right, you know. And I, 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 it was my first one. I was learning. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. pick up on these little things, you yeah. know. Uh, but I was, I mean, you're, you're probably a lot more efficient in the, in the, I don't know, but well, the, the trick me, is to stay slow. on your bike. If uh, that's right. Somebody asked me any advice uh, and I, I learned this from different people. Uh, Jill Homer, if you know who she is, just over, um, she, I, I remember her saying the trick is stay on, stay on your ride. Stay. Right. And that, that is, I believe that I'm, I'm really slow. But uh, I just keep pedaling. You're good, good stay, chugging along. Um, I as a one place, I, I kept uh, this would have been in 2016, and I I was chasing uh, Marty Johnson. Our good friends, if you know Marty, mm-hmm. and so I was chasing him, and he beat me once, and then I, I if I beat him, it's usually because he fell out. He's a good rider. He's stronger than I am, but uh, uh, this year, and one time I was 100 miles behind him. But I just kept gaining, kept gaining, and and the, this uh, morning I woke up and I was probably 50, 60 miles behind him, and it started raining, getting in mud, and I thought, when they get up this, uh, it's called a something Hopewell Campground, I bet he'll stop there, and I just kept a coming, and uh, and sure enough, him and uh, three or four other guys had stopped there. One of the guys' name was Paul, and one Mark. There was three other guys, so. I got there about midnight and pulled in there, and it was raining right down. And there's a little uh, shelter there, and they're in it. And they mm-hmm. got their bikes all cleaned up. They'd been there for a while and, and able to wash their bikes off. There's a water hydrant there and all that stuff. And it was really raining. I, I didn't want to wake them up. And so I, I went out. I, I carry a tent, a little tent, and I went out in the woods and, and camped and I got up before it got daylight and got over that wire hydrant trying to get that mud off and, and I seen him wake up and come out and Marty looked at me and I smiled and he, <laughs> he shook his head and I caught him, you know. I thought, uh-huh. damn, I caught you guys. And there's this guy named Paul from Australia and Mark from New Jersey, another guy, and he quit right there. He asked me if there's any more mud. I said, there's a lot more mud. And uh, so anyway, they, they took off and left me. But long story short, Marty fell out of Cuba time restraint or something but I'd, and the next day uh, Mark and Paul they would just go to uh, in the day and stay at a motel if they could find one so I'd, I'd slip by them in the, in the night and and then the next day here they come by me again and then uh, I slipped by them again and I caught them uh, uh, at Pie Town and uh, I, I I've traveled straight through i think 24 hours the longest i'd rode mm. and but i always figured i could ride 30 hours and i don't know really how long i could stay on the bike but but anyway uh, i uh uh caught him at the beaver i i camped just uh, about five miles from the beaver workstation it's a fire fire ranger station and there's water there and they i caught them early in the morning about seven i got up early and there they were well they took off and and then uh, uh, they asked me uh, how far they needed to go from there. Well, I told them, I'd met them at Pie Town. We had breakfast together. And I said, you need to make it to Beaver Workstation and to get out of the mud in case of rain because you'll get stranded and you won't be able to go. They made it that far. Anyway, they, they took off from the Beaver Workstation early that morning. And, and uh, I knew they would stop at Silver City. That's... Uh, 
you have 125 miles, and that's the last. Mm-hmm. At the time, it's the last stop you're going to get, and uh, that might be open. There, there's another stop that might be open if you it closes at eight in the evening. Now there is a place at High Cheetah it stays open till ten in the evening, but they, but you can't count on them. So anyway, uh, uh, sure enough, I come to Silver City and I got there at midnight, and I, I just knew that they were in a motel. And I slept on. <laughs> so when they woke up in the morning, I was 60 miles on past them. <laughs> and, Sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. Well, is that what keeps you like motivated? And because uh, you know those long races can get boring, oh, yeah, you know. And so is that that uh, like chase? And oh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean that's part of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you daydream. You you see. Uh, there's different kinds of you might say wildlife or the environment. There's down there. There's tranches. There's centipedes. But there's uh, there's always something to entertain you. Yeah. You know. So I hate to ask, but I have to. How old are you? I, I'm 70 years old. 70. So I'll be uh, 71 in September. Wow. But, so you're you're the person that I always like point to as, you know, I I don't intend on slowing down. You know, I mean, you're you're my you're my example of listen. Hal's out there at <laughs> 70. He's gonna do the tour divide for the. You said seventh or sixth time. Sorry. Six times. Six, six times. Time. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's 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 really remarkable. I mean, it, it truly yeah. is. I mean, there's a lot of people that are half your age that can't do uh, what you do. So, give me a tip. Well, how do you? <laughs> how, I mean, really, how do you do it? How when like my mom is 65 and she's slowed down quite a bit. How do you how do you keep going? Yeah, I think that you know, I'm I'm sure I'm getting slower and I'm getting old and things are going downhill on me. But it's like Father Time behind you. He's the one you're racing. So uh, I don't think uh, I, I'm ready to quit, or I'm like I'd like to think like some old mountain men would say, you know, I'm gonna go until I'm just lay down. Right. And I, I I really believe that. I think, you know, surely, you know, it's just like an old truck; it'll finally wear out and stop. And I'll be that way sometime too. I know that. But <laughs> until then, I, until that, you know, that piston breaks or something, I'm 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 good to go. I, yeah, I got a lot yet to see. Uh, I still relate it back to people in wars. They they're not out there, so uh, we're we. And some reason that bullet didn't hit us, or that car didn't run over us, or whatever. And we should keep it going. Yeah. My buddy uh, Sam Ball taught me this, and uh, he he once told me he said uh, uh, how he said we're when we were born, we we're all given our own space. He said. You might as well go up there, out there and take up your part of it, and I, I believe that. And uh, a lot of people don't do that. Yeah, we we you know we were it getting, just kind of coast through life. Yeah, yeah. Of, and so there's adventure out there, there's things to do, and man, I, I sure want to. I want my share. Heck yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know I, I feel guilty for those. The best thing I can do for those that didn't get their share, so to speak, I I, I maybe I can see it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is the is I mean you hear this all the time bike therapy or cycling therapy. I mean, it seems like that's a, a really important role in your life. Yeah. There, you know, whatever you use, I think it's your interest, but right now for me it's it's bicycling, but it, it Yeah, it could a, be a number of things, but for it's us the people it's, you care about, it's Linda yeah. over there. It I mean, that that keeps me going every day, you yeah. know. She does and and you know your family and friends. I have some awesome friends, and and uh, you know, and 
family and so on, and they, they keep you going. I mean, that man, <laughs> you don't know how fortunate you are. Well, once in a while, you, I, I'm out here in the woods, and I look around. I'm like, God, how, I'm too lucky here. Something's wrong. <laughs> got it all. Uh, you know. Well, it's beautiful. You should should have it all. I mean, well, if you if you take take advantage of the opportunities that you have, and you learn from your your mistakes, yeah. and you keep pushing on, you know, eventually you get to that spot where you can sit back and say, "Hey, I got it." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to ask you an easy one. The la- last question. Okay. Well, maybe it's an easy one. Uh, e bike. Would you ever <laughs> ride an e-bike if it came to it? No. Really? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I can say that. You, you, there, there are certain questions you don't, or answers you don't want to give. No, always, and sometimes. If you're answering, a, a, you know, I was a school teacher and I was a counselor for a number of years, and, and I, I did a lot of testing in school, and I, I, I tell kids you're trying to teach them how to take a test, and, and uh uh, usually multiple choice the ones there there will be two questions answers that, that are pretty you got to pick between two of them but if it says uh always or never or no uh don't don't answer those it's the sometimes and and the maybes and yeah. uh, because those are wrong those there's no such thing as always, uh, and uh, be careful when you say, no, I won't do that. Yeah. That'll make you a liar. <laughs> so I, I won't say I, I wouldn't ride an e-bike, then I'd probably make myself. But it's not on myself. your mind right no, now. No, no. Uh, I, I, I'm not for that. I mean, it has its place. Sure. It, and I know hunters use them, and that's pretty awesome. They get yeah. where they need to go. Yeah. And maybe that'll be me someday. I don't I don't know that. Yeah. But Well, I wonder if that'll I be me pedal. one day. Yeah. I, I mean, I, don't, I, yeah. I, I want to pedal until I can't pedal yeah. anymore, but... If it, if it's a choice between not being able, well, you're still pedaling right with yeah, the e-bike, yeah, but yeah. you know if you just can't oh, go they, and do and see as much as you'd like to, but you still have that sense of adventure. They have their their place. Yeah, they have their place. Yeah. But uh, I love your attitude though. Right now, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I won't say that I won't never do that because yeah. that makes me a liar. Yeah. Well, but well. Well, thank you so much, well, Al. Well, I mean, thank, thank you. I, I mean, no, thank you, thank you for uh, letting me come out to your house yeah. and sit down and talk to you. You're uh, you're a person that, uh, on a personal level, I look up to you and yeah. I aspire to be you one day. I want to be out there riding yeah. my bike at seventy and exploring the world and uh, and smiling everywhere I go, you know. And so that's that's a great yeah. legacy to leave and uh, and to show people like, hey, this is how you do it at 70 years old. Yeah. You go out there and ride all I over America. I think age, you know, it's all uh, relative. It's, it's, I like to think I'm just like the, the younger people out there. Yeah. I, I like to consider, you know, Lael and Billy and all them, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't do what they do. I know that. And can't's another word I don't. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying that's a you bad. are doing what Four they're letters. doing. You're doing it maybe in a in a yeah. longer time window, but, but you're, I, I, you're accomplishing they're, they're the same They're my heroes. Things. People like that, the Jay Peterberry, uh, Billy. Uh, there's so many of my start naming names, and and some people you never heard of because you. I mean, I look up to everybody. Yeah, uh, I'm the same way. I, I I like to talk to whether it's a, a legend, and I know you'll yeah. take offense to that word. Um, or just, uh, you know, there's one guy that was riding the Trans Am, the Southern Tier route, and that comes right by my house in Texas. And, you know, he's just a, he's, he's just a, he's just a guy yeah. riding across America. Oh. And I interviewed him for the podcast because everyone who does this kind of stuff, it doesn't matter if you're leading the race or you're the last one. Um, you don't want to think you're somebody because there's somebody else out there that's a lot better, <laughs> a lot more somebody than you yeah. are. 
Yeah. I, I know that for sure. That's true. Um, but, but we all, we all have our personal heroes and idols and stuff. And, uh, you're, you're certainly one yeah, of mine. So I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to share some of your story oh, with me. Uh, thank you for visiting with me. Uh, I, I'm humbled that you would talk to me. Oh, absolutely. Me questions. Well, I've absolutely enjoyed it, man. Thanks for yeah. taking the time. Yeah. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I say it every time, but I really enjoyed that. Um, it was a true honor to be able to just sit there one-on-one -on -one with Hal Russell and, and hear everything that he had to say and to be able to pick his brain. Um, one more note on Hal. Uh, he has announced that this tour divide, his sixth is his farewell tour divide. Um, so I just wanted to say to you, Hal, Thank you. Thank you for being an inspiration um, to so many people. I know you'll probably take issue with that because you're so humble, but the truth is, man, you do. You inspire people. You inspire me, and you do it through doing. You're out there right now. You're on the Tour Divide for your sixth time, and you're not done, man. You're going to keep going. You're going to keep on inspiring people. Um, so I know it's farewell to the tour divide, but I know you're going to be out there for a long time doing amazing things. Uh, so thanks to you and Hey man, looking forward to what you do next. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in everybody. If you want to follow the show, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at bikes or death. And, uh, with help from my friend Ryan, the website is looking a lot nicer. I've been putting in, uh, we've both been putting in some effort there. And uh, so go check check out the website. It's www.bikesordeath.com. Yeah, so go check out the new website. Uh, let me know what you think. And you may want to pay special interest to the Patreon and Amazon links on there. Hint, hint. Uh, all right. And if you want to just email me, it's bikes at bikesordeath.com. All right. Now go ride your damn bike. <laughs>